You are not alone. The League stands with you. We all stand with you. You have transmissions holding. Match incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house. Hey everybody, it's Scott. I don't know what to say at this point. Yesterday was kind of crazy. As we were talking about when we dropped our reboot conversation yesterday, bonus episode number two, we thought something big was going to happen on Monday. But nothing could have prepared me or anybody else for what actually did happen. JMS tweeted out on Sunday, September 18th, that he was going to ask us for a solid the next day. And the next day, he tweeted out that we are close to a decision on the Babylon 5 reboot, probably going to have a decision by the end of the month, but CW and Warner Brothers TV needed to hear from us. And so he asked us to use the hashtag B5 on CW in 23. And then the world just kind of cracked open. Uh, I think we were all very excited to see how the fan base was going to react to it. But no one, including myself, and I don't think GMS either, could believe that we actually went ahead and became the top trending item on Twitter for hours yesterday. We actually beat out the Queen's funeral on Twitter in the United States. And in other countries, including the UK, I hear we were number two, which again, on the day of the Queen's funeral. So I think we made a point, and I hope the CW and Warner Brothers heard it loud and clear. So the reason why we're here today, and I'm dropping bonus episode number three so quickly after bonus episode number two, is we got together with a couple of our friends to talk about this. I reached out to uh, several different podcasts and said, hey, we need to get together we need to talk about this because this day, it's something we haven't had for Babylon 5 since the 90s. And I, I mean, we never had something like this happen before. So we need to get together and talk about it. And we had several podcast friends come on board and we just talked about what happened yesterday and then talked about what we want to see happen with a reboot. And for those who are new to Babylon 5, the first part of this conversation is spoiler free. We've actually got some newbies on here. We've got the guys from Babylon 5 for the first time. So no spoilers until we go ahead and jettison the newbies and jettison those guys. And then we talk spoilers. So you'll be have a spoiler warning before you get to that point. So you'll be fine. I hope you enjoy this conversation. We've now dubbed this the League of Non-Aligned Podcasts. And I certainly hope I get together with these guys soon again. There was so much knowledge and fun in this conversation. I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. So here you go. Enjoy the first convening of the League of Non-Aligned Podcast. Thanks for checking us out, guys. Go to www.anchor.fm slash gray17podcast and subscribe and let's get B5 
on CW in 23. I'm Laura, and I'm one half of the Who Are You Babylon 5 Watchcast. Um, so Jafar is my host, um, and we met through a fan community for the Star Trek podcast, The Greatest Generation, but... Uh, there you have an extensive fan community, and we met through their Babylon 5 fan. A little bit ironic because of that podcast, notoriously. Uh, They're wrong about things. Hi, everyone. I'm Jafar, the other co-host of Who Are You? Yeah, people can be wrong about things. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so we met through that fan community, and I, I put out in that, hey, I kind of want to start a Babylon 5 podcast. I need a co-host. And so our whole deal is that we got to know each other over this show. We both watched it when we were kids. Uh, Jafar did a, a rewatch as an adult, but I haven't really done a full rewatch. So I'm coming back to it from kid memory, which is a little uh, 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 unreliable at sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. Our first episode is the third conversation we ever had. Yes. So, it's and like we just kind of go from there. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And we're in season two now. We're almost done with. Yep. Awesome. I'm Ryan Swinsky, and I'm from Yum Yum Podcast, uh, in which my wife Rachel and I, we re-watch, review, and discuss episodes of science fiction television. We started out with Star Trek Discovery, which is where the phrase Yum Yum comes from. We all know that phrase, Yum Yum. What a great line of dialogue it was. And we are talking about Babylon 5 as well, when we ran out of Star Trek Discovery for a moment, and we are just... Rewatching it, talking about it from a very deep analytical lens. We like to look at each individual episode, go over them. We do a spotlight section on actors that appear in the episodes, whether they're the one-time wonders or recurring. And uh, we're just midway through season three currently. So that's where we're at. What's up, everybody? I am Brent. I am one half of Babylon 5 for the first time. My co-host Jeff and I are brand new to the Babylon 5 fan community and the show itself. We're nearing the end of season one as we record this, and uh, neither one of us have ever seen Babylon 5 before, and we are kind of a blind leading the blind uh, going through the, the show, trying to be as spoiler-free as we possibly can uh, as we as we make our way through this. And uh, the the kind of our thing is, is that Jeff and I both host our own separate Star Trek podcast, and so this is... Babylon 5 for the first time, not a Star Trek podcast where we do our best to not make everything a reference back to Star Trek, but we do obviously do a little bit of comparison because that's what we do. And this is Mike from Gray Sector Pod. Uh, the one third uh, that is the extroverts in the podcast hosts, <laughs> my other two hosts got it. Uh, one of uh, Sarah got an invitation, I think, from Scott and said, uh, I just got bivalent boosted yesterday. Also, I don't like to talk to people so yeah fine then, no one likes to talk to me ever anyway it's fine and then and then joe said i wish i had such a good excuse i just don't like to talk to people uh and i said oh, I'll, I'll talk to a bunch of people i don't know it's all good so yeah <laughs> i am summer brooks i am the co-host of the babylon podcast which is i'm gonna guess the oldest babylon five show out there and uh, the whole reason that show exists is because Tim asked a question, and instead of sending him back a simple paragraph, I sent him a novella <laughs> of answers about what would you do if you were doing a Babylon 5 podcast? I would do this. <laughs> and so we did. 
And I am Tim Callender. I'm the other co-host of the Babylon podcast. And uh, yeah, I, I'm sort of, I guess, the instigator. Summer is the person that actually leveraged it to make it happen. And uh, gosh, we did that for what, like 10 years, nine years? Technically 12. Yeah, right. And and yeah, <laughs> I don't have enough fingers at that point or, you know, <laughs> I don't have six. Yeah, um, seven years. And then there was like a four year break. And then we did another few episodes and then there was another break. And then we did like a 25th anniversary series of shows. And now we're just keeping our hand in waiting with bated breath for whatever comes next. Yeah. Cool. Thank and you I'm, for, thank you okay. for allowing us to be on. Well, no, th- th- there's no allowing here. We're actually uh, the new guys on the block. So this is amazing to get the league of Babylon five <laughs> podcasters together. <laughs> this is awesome. Uh, I'm Scott. I'm with the newest, at least I think we're the newest. We've only been around for a month and a half uh, podcast for Babylon five. And that's Grace 17. Uh, and our big shtick is we have a bunch of newbies who have not watched the show at all. In fact, some of them, I dragged kicking and screaming with me and saying, you're going to watch a sci-fi show. Jesse's got her hand up. That'd be <laughs> Jesse. Uh, and uh, we are uh, knee deep into season one. And uh, what we do is we have our newbies uh, watch the episode and then they talk about their impressions on it and give their ideas questions and predictions. And then we kick them off and then we answer all those when they can't listen to it, which is really amazing because they hate me for it. It's great. Um, but no, I mean, this is uh, this is really exciting for us, and we'll uh, we're looking forward to talk. Okay, I'm Emily. I'm on the Gray Seventeen podcast, and I'm one of the newbies. Uh, Scott somehow convinced me to do this because I like Deep Space Nine. It's my favorite of the Star Trek series, and he basically said, "Well, you love Deep Space Nine, you'll love this." And now I'm angry at him because I can't binge watch it. <laughs> I'm stuck watching it episode by episode for the next two years. And for those wondering, by the way, no, our newbies don't even know where our title of our podcast come from yet. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> Emily, I would say you're lucky that you get to get it all in two years because uh, those of us who watched it when it first aired, not only did we have to watch it over five years, some of us had to check listings on an almost monthly or weekly basis to see where the local affiliate mm-hmm. might have shoved it in at some point and then reset the VH the VCR if we remembered. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. So in some ways uh, you got it easy. I just know yeah, I and if you like find... oh go ahead Ryan. Oh I was gonna say and if you're like me, I was waiting for the DVDs down here in Australia where they gave us season one and then a four year break and oh, that's geez. all you had. And then you got season two eventually and three and four and five. And then the movies came a decade later. So if you were wanting that physical release media, you'd have to wait even longer. But now you have it on streaming so you can get it a little easier. I just know 11 year old Scott was watching Babylon 5, Time Tracks and Kung Fu, The Legend Continues. And that was it. (laughs) Get off my lawn. (laughs) <laughs> Ryan didn't mention that that because he's in Australia, the DVDs they actually go counterclockwise rather than clockwise. Like, like. Well, I didn't think so. I didn't so think it starts with the end of the normal. episode, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Memento Babylon Five. <laughs> Emily, for whatever it's worth, I too hate 
not being able to binge the stupid show. Let's just go. I forget all forget all these people. You and me. Ugh. See, the, yep. what's going to be great for the newbies and for Brent uh, is when the show actually becomes serialized, and then you're really going to hate the fact that you can't watch the next episode. <laughs> um, is it spoilerific to say that it already is serialized? Well, I, the, yeah, most of the guys on here are at least halfway through season one, but yeah, so I would say so. But I mean, you yeah. you get it. Yeah, I'll be. We're we're being good, <laughs> and that's the point too. Before we even get, we're still doing intros, but for those listening, we are going to be completely spoiler free on the show uh, until we get rid of uh, Brent and my newbies, and then uh, we'll talk spoilers after that too. So, if you are new to Babylon Five, don't be afraid. We aren't going to spoil anything for you uh, yet. <laughs> All right, I'm hitting my mute button right now. <laughs> hey, and my name is Blake. I'm also with the Gray Seventeen Podcast. Uh, just like Scott at 11 was watching Babylon 5 and Time Tracks and uh, the Star Trek shows. And Scott and I have actually talked about this for about three years doing a Babylon 5 podcast. Now, somewhere in here, Scott decided to see how many of our friends we could piss off at the same time by making them watch it every week with us, which is a great idea. So hopefully we'll have a podcast and friends at the end of the next two years. That's what our goal is here, Scott. And I will say on podcast that's not here right now, but I want to give him a shout out. I, I absolutely stole the idea from Audio Guide uh, to Babylon 5 because they did the, spo- the non-spoiler section and then the spoiler section. The only difference was they, did, they didn't have anybody who was new. So uh, I'm half original, half not. Um, I'm Jesse. I'm from the Gray 17 podcast. I'm one of the newbies. Um, up until Signs and Portents, I was questioning my life choices um so (laughs) it's still early but we're here and i'm enjoying the ride and just want to thank everybody for being here this is cool and i can't wait to listen to everybody's shows in like 22 and a half years (laughs) i told you come on board jesse i told you come. not there yet you're almost there (laughs) hey if you turned a corner with ivanova you can turn a corner with the whole show So um, I'm Nicole. I'm with the Gray 17 podcast as well. I'm one of the newbies. Um, I really don't know anything about sci-fi. This is the first actual sci-fi show I've watched, except for my fiance making me watch Star Wars. So um, I really don't know much about the genre. So this is all new to me. And I've actually been on board with the show from the beginning. I really like it. I'm enjoying this process of watching it every week. I do love to binge and it kind of sucks that we have to wait a whole week, but also I'm kind of enjoying taking it one episode at a time. And I'm that person that takes two pages of notes uh, and highlights. uh, So I know what to talk about on the show. I'm a little crazy like that, but I've been really enjoying soaking in and analyzing each episode. And I'm really excited to meet all of you. I didn't even know there was this many podcasts out there. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Um, and yeah, that's uh, about all I got to say. This might be Nicole's yeah, first time not calling something shady, by the way. Yeah, Shady County is not here tonight because none of these guys seem shady. Hi, I'm Andrew. I am also from the Gray 17 podcast. I'm one of the newbies. How I'm treated by these guys. I am 23. Yeah, that's all I got. Oh, a baby. And then Jeff, you just joined us a little late. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Brent actually talked a little bit about uh, your podcast, but you can go ahead and do what you want. They'll do it better. Probably. You're muted, Jeff. You're muted. He was going to do it better. Then he couldn't figure out the mute button. Dang. 
this whole online meeting thing it's pretty new i think we're still wrapping my head around it never never does this ever i Jeff. whatever whatever brent said is a filthy filthy lie did he sure. say good things because if he did then they're true that i'm lying i'm jeff aiken babylon 5 for the first time not a star trek podcast happy to be here really excited to meet everybody um, I'm a lot older than um, dude Andrew who just talked. So just, <laughs> add, just uh, it's not a plus; it's a multiplication problem when it comes to uh, making that age happen. But hey, good to meet everybody. Great. So we got everybody in here now. That was uh, we figured out the intro, so we're doing okay. So uh, as I already mentioned once, uh, we're going to go ahead and talk non-spoilers, and we're just going to chat about what the heck happened today uh, in terms of JMS playing us all like fiddles and then uh once we've talked about that for a bit we'll jettison the babylon for the first time guys and my newbies and we'll talk spoilers about what could happen and what we think will happen with the um reboot coming up so guys somebody just take it away chat riff all right so i do have a question for nicole who said that not only is she new to babylon 5 but she's also new to science fiction. And I'd, I'd like to hear what her impressions are of that, because then I'd like to share my initial impressions of B5 when I first saw it as a, as a dyed-in-the-wool science fiction fan. So, Nicole, go ahead. Okay. Well, um, so far, honestly, the first episode uh, was The Gathering, which, uh, you know, despite some of the things that I noticed about it being, you know, cheesy here and there, but because it was the nineties, I understand that I was a teenager in the nineties. So I get it. Um, but you know, I really enjoy it. Um, I think that this specific show, um, I think the stories are written really well. And I think that, um, what I've noticed or gathered is I feel like JMS has a really good way of telling stories. And we kind of talked about this last night on our podcast where he'll give us a little bit, like he'll give us like, you know, we'll have a question about something or a plot line. And then kind of a couple episodes later, a small nugget will be answered. You know, it's it's almost like somebody said yesterday he was like leaving breadcrumbs along the way. So we're learning things as we go. Um, and I have looking I've been looking at it a little bit more on the analytical side of like, OK, you know, not only just um, the plot lines and the characters, but the acting of the characters. And one thing I notice a lot is the music because I'm in radio. So music is my life. So like, I'll be like, man, that music was ominous for that part. And I think he did it on purpose, which I've been told several times that they did kind of theme the music with the show. So, um, you know, as far as like, I usually watch like, I don't want to be like stereotypical, but like chick shows, you know, I watch Grey's Anatomy and like things like that when I'm watching TV or like HGTV. So this is definitely a whole new world for me, but I'm really like enjoying it. And like, you know, I had no idea what to expect. I went in with zero expectation. And so far it's just been like, wow, this is really good. Um, obviously there are some shows and episodes that are kind of like, like the kid dying episode that was rough. And uh, the guys with the things on the death Walker guy, or uh, what was the guy with the thing on his head? Don't Oh, Soul Hunters. Yeah. Soul Hunters. Yeah. That one was a little, a little weird, but again, I understand that that's sci-fi and that's kind of what, you know, the trope is about it. So I try to look at things with an open mind. Um, so if there's something I think that's kind of hokey or kind of weird, I liken it to, okay, it was the nineties or like, for example, one thing I noticed off the bat was the sexual innuendo is insane. But for that time frame, it was the 90s and it was a little bit more accepted and a little bit more common than you would have now. 
So it's just kind of funny to point those little things out too. Um, and sometimes I feel like maybe I'm a little too anal about things, pointing them out, but also I feel like I'm almost paying respect to the show in a way where it's like, I'm giving it the observation and the, and the attention that somebody who's watching it for the first time and reviewing it should give it. So, sorry, I talk a lot. So if you guys need me to shut up, just tell me. Um, but yeah, so I thought, I just, I think it's pretty cool. I, I like it a lot so far, you know, would I have sat down and picked it to watch on my own flipping through the TV? Probably not, but Scott was looking for people and, you know, this is, I mean, audio and, and podcasting and radio, this is like my life. So I'm like, I'm going to do this. And I'm actually excited that I got introduced to a new type of show. And I don't know if I'll ever go into the Star Trek world, but you know, maybe who knows what this can open up for me. See, I, I find that interesting for me. I had been a long time science fiction reader and, and of course, Star Trek fan for, for many, many years. So there's, there is Star Trek is almost its own milieu, right? Its own mythology with its own way of doing certain things. Um, science fiction, of course, with the, the, all the worlds, depending upon what writer you're reading, what subgenre you're into and, and, and so forth. So when I first and the first episode I saw was Midnight uh, on the Firing Line. And from the first moment when they show the the Ragash 3 station and and the guys at the console, the Centauri, the console goes jump point forming in sector three. I was like, holy cow, I know what that is as a science fiction fan. And now here's a show that's giving me that, not even explaining it, but I knew exactly what he was talking about. And then to see the station that was rotating to make gravity, which is another thing that you've never seen before on, on a science fiction television show. And then when we first meet Kosh, I'm a summer can attest to this. I'm a huge lensman saga fan. E doc Smith's it's like the Ur space opera. And there is a character in there called Nadric and he lives in this basically an encounter suit. And so the, when the first moment I saw Kosh, I was going, it's Nadric. And it's like, it was like somebody who had read all the stuff that I grew up reading, now writing a, a science fiction show and giving this to me. And I was just in love from like the first frame. And, and I could tell you going forward without being spoilerific, um, the world building of strong Nicole. So everything I think that you're already attracted to will just get exponentially more powerful for you for a science fiction fan. It just continues to double down on all the right tropes that hadn't been visited in. And let's face it, it really is Star Trek, right? That's the big, <laughs> that's, that's the big Bantha in the room as it were for, especially for television, science fiction. Um, mm. And and it and Babylon Five does an amazing job of not looking over its shoulder at its big brother, except for one line, and I won't even get into that one. That is spoilerific, but um, yeah, the the fact that with everything and and as you probably have known, JMS as he was shopping the show was basically told in so many words, well, if it's not Star Trek, nobody's going to watch it. And the fact that he persevered to put it on and tell the story that is remarkably different than anything Star Trek had done at the time is a testament, I think, as much as anything to the storytelling and also the visuals. You know, they did very inventive, creative things with the visuals. Well, um, I mean, that's it, a 
I, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. Like that's no, a I'm, big piece I, of- You need to cut me off. <laughs> I know, but I mean, that's a big piece of what brings us here today. Cause you talk about how JMS persevered. The show lasted for five years. I, as I understand it, that was the original plan. And the show's been off the air for 25-ish years at this point. And apparently they now want to reboot it. And the perseverance, because from also what I understand, they've been trying to get this reboot off the ground for a very long time as well. That perseverance is really notable uh, and and something that, that is to be committed, especially in an age right now where Star Trek itself is going through a more of a golden era now than I think it even was back in the nineties. So uh, like, that's just amazing. And Brent, you make, bring up a good point and something just for historical reasons. You're right. So uh, Babylon five ended season five, and then we moved right into crusade, which crusade was actually canceled before the first episode hit the, uh, the airwaves. So we didn't get even full season of that. There has been some starts and stops since then. We got um, Legend of the Rangers, which was a made-for-TV kind of movie that was supposed to turn mm. into a show and didn't. Fucking we got horrible. The, uh, yes. <laughs> Punching the guns, man. That's all I'm saying. Punching the guns. Um, then we had uh, Straight to DVD, The Lost Tales. Uh, and then there had been talks in the early 2000s for a movie that would have been a quasi-reboot. Uh, and I don't even want to say the title of the movie because it's a spoiler. So thank you. But there was a talk about that. And but that you're right for nearly 20 years. And actually, JMS said in his tweet yesterday, I haven't asked you to do anything for me in 22 years until today. So you're right. It's it's definitely something that has uh, been sitting there. And uh, it's exciting that we're actually going to get it. And I feel like, that's well, we don't that... know if we're going to get it. I mean, I'm that's being positive. Other... Well, that I'm was the flex. Positive. To like to take Mike's wallpaper here, he literally sent a tweet out where he said, "Hey, who who all here is an asshole?" And we're like, "We're all assholes." You yeah, said jump, and we we jumped on it. We're just like, "What are you talking about, dude? What do you need?" Oh, you want us to tell them that we want what we already told you you want? Sweet, you just mobilized an online army of nerds, and we are willing to get on our keyboards and tell them what we want you know that's i think that's what he did today was he just flexed that he's got a fan base ready to mobilize yeah and i think that's one of the things like to tim's point to a lot of people's points is jms has this perseverance he's a nerd and a part of the nerd cred is even from the 90s he knew how to interact with that audience on the internet mm -hmm. and he's still doing it today i was saying to uh, mike in a in a chat or somebody else as well where it's like how does it feel to now be those guys in the usenet groups back in the 90s that jms would toy with he's doing it to us now <laughs> we in the future will be the lurkers guide that people will look at and i think that's very interesting and for me i'm in australia so i wake up in the morning I get all of these messages from all of you fellow Babylon 5 podcasters being like, so JMS is fucking with us now. And I'm just like, what's going on? I've been asleep. What's <laughs> happening? Why is, why, what's JMS doing these days? What's he? He tweets a lot. I can't keep up. And then it's just like, oh, he he wants, he's making ominous messages. And that then he's just like, guys, I need, I don't ask a lot of you, but uh, I need the fans to interact and engage and it was it's very exciting for somebody like myself in which a part of me just accepted that babylon 5 was over it's dead you know like it was just done for ages and then we got the reboot we got the remasters on hbo max for the americans and it was just like oh babylon 5's alive and kicking there was a period of time where there was 
kind of no B5 podcasts around either. They kind of finished up. And now we got all of these people here. There's a, there's a real life to this mm-hmm. franchise again. People like Brent, who is like, and Jeff, who are like Star Trek people, who you guys have all know, heard about Babylon 5 over the years, but the motivation to actually check it out now has been pushed with the potential of a reboot and the accessibility of the original show. Yeah, I mean, it hitting HBO Max is going to be a big part of that for yes. sure. And the yes. rebirth of the show, the HD remaster. I mean, it's interesting that it's happening now-ish, particularly. Um, if we look at the big gaps in sci-fi series, we're about there. Uh, we're at 16 years right now since uh, the Lost Tales, if you want to <laughs> count that. Um, the Doctor Who gap was 16 years uh, in between the seventh and ninth Doctor. Good and point. then uh, Enterprise to Discovery was 13 years. So it and, seems and to really, be that kind of a sweet spot. Yeah. And, and if you think about the original series to Next Generation is also about 15 to 16 mm-hmm. years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and granted, you had the movies in there, but I, I think that's a different I mean, that was a whole different kind of thing that was happening there. Not a, not a series. So, uh, you know, I, I I hear what you're saying. I am going to be cautiously optimistic yeah. about this because I feel like I don't I don't feel like JMS has teased us right like over the years. I think he's genuinely been doing what he can do to get another Babylon, a new Babylon 5 project up and going. You know, The Lost Tales was supposed to be a direct to DVD series like every so often it would be two or three episodes that would be released on DVD and we'd have that. And 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 of course, you know, we understand his frustration that Warner's gave him next to no money to do these kinds of things. Right. So but but I also feel like I've had the the rug pulled out from beneath my feet a number of times, <laughs> yeah. right? And 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 oh. so I I I will believe it when we get the announcement that says here's the cast and here's the pilot has started shooting and we have an air date. Yeah. When I have those three yeah. things, then I will be, I will believe that we're getting new Babylon Five, even if it's only ten episodes and that's me. it. Ten. I'll yeah, believe it when it's on. Yeah, jumping in. I just want to jump in a little bit because and go back to something Tim you'd mentioned earlier also about you know when you watched Babylon Five and JMS's writing. I mean Scott and I both we've read his book Becoming Superman. We talk about it a lot on our podcast, and you know you look at JMS's history. I mean this is a guy that was told he would never be a writer. He was told he would never get a show. He was told he would never get a comic. He was told he would never do any of the things he has done, and somehow managed to find a way to persevere through all of it. And especially going through his childhood, I mean, those books you're talking about—that—that that was his escape. That's how he got out of the hell that was his life growing up. And the one thing, even going through the series, and not to get spoiler and all, is just you see where he puts himself into his work, into the writing from his own experiences. Yeah. And you know, I made this comment to Scott earlier today that. You know, for a guy that does not like by his own admission to rely on others, that doesn't want to ask anyone for help, you know, what must have been going through his mind today when he threw that tweet out there and within, what was it, two and a half hours was the number one trending thing on Twitter, bumping the Queen's funeral, the most watched thing on television around the world and bumps that off number one. I mean, what must have been going through his mind today watching that for someone who's not used to being in a position to even ask that? let alone to see it rally behind him. Absolutely. That must have been something. 
And I'll add the reason why I'm more optimistic this time, Tim, because you're right. I mean, I was really excited for the Babylon 5 movie. And when that get announced, 2002, 2003. Yeah. Right. Um, the difference here, I think, is one man. And I've, I've talked about him already until I'm blue in the face on my social media. Mark Pedowitz. Mark Pedowitz is the president of the CW. He is a B5 fan like all of us. And like many of us, he was watching the show back in 93, 94 and on. He was the guy who actually, uh, and JMS has said this, he would record, JMS would record the episodes onto VHS and give it to Mark before they aired because Mark didn't want to wait to see the episodes as they aired. He's now in charge of the CW. And that's why I think it's going to happen this time. Because when CW got bought out by Nextstar, they kept Pedowitz. And that was yeah. the last little thing is like, if they're going to keep Pedowitz, we're good. We're golden. They did. The Look, other thing, I, okay. well, I want you to be right. Believe me, I, I, I want it to happen. I, I don't want to be like the pessimist guy that says it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I really want it to happen. And as, as far as reboots go, if there's any one showrunner that I trust to reboot a show, it's going to be J. Michael Straczynski. Right. But yeah. there's but but there's so much that goes into making a television show before it even gets in front of the cameras. Mm. Mm. You know, I, think, I mean, kind of like what Jeff says, I think I think I think, Jeff, you're actually on it until we we see it on our screens. Although I think if they're shooting it, if nothing else, it ends up getting streamed somewhere or they really, you know, it, well, we but, just yeah, saw yeah. what was that Batgirl, right? Completely produced. Yeah. Gone. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is a different time of, of, of on-screen production right now. It's very different. And I think until I'm physically watch, I don't even, when I see the title card on HBO Max or whatever, I'm not going <laughs> to believe it, right? When I click it and there's actually a show on behind it. Okay, now yeah. we're good. Yeah. And yeah. the landscape from those previous projects has changed, right? Where JMS is using this social media platform of Twitter where there's a lot of people and we have so many people in this chat right now who were turned on to Babylon 5 from a different way than, say, us older people were, where it's like, oh, word of mouth, a limited word of mouth. Like I've always said on our podcast, I've never met a person in real life that's watched Babylon 5, ever, ever. Not in real life. And, and they're like, that's just down here. I don't know anyone who's watched it. It's the internet who I meet and who I interact with. And there's this rallying cry from everybody that's interested. Now, whether that pushes it over the line, I don't know. And there's, I understand the the skepticism as well. But the fact is, at least this thing happening right now is making people aware and somewhat excited for a property that, as we've said, ended quite some time ago. It's giving people the motivation to want to watch it. Maybe it's giving people the motivation to rewatch it even. And I think if we don't get anything, at least this is something like we get people wanting to watch it and go, oh, let's make a podcast or, oh, I want to do video reactions or I want to engage with the actors or the writer in some way, shape or form to let them know that I like the work. And so if that's all we get out of this, then at least that's something. All right. So well, I, I have two questions. I have two questions and I'll throw this out to anybody, especially the older people. Um, the as older a new people. person, the, 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 now, the when you say been older, while, the, the people have <laughs> been right, watching be for a while, clear. not the newbies, <laughs> but as a newbie, as a newber, I'm sorry, newber. Uh, no, um, like it, it is incredibly shocking to me and not all at the same time. That I can be Jeff. What are we? Nineteen episodes in, something like that. Yeah, something like that, right? Um, and I am stoked 
for a new Babylon 5. Not only 19 episodes in, and like that's how bought in I am to this series. 30 years later. Here's my question for you guys. It's it's really a twofold question. Bringing in a series now has to be able to grab new audiences. It can't just be this one that grabs old audiences. Jeff and I look at the analytics of our show and what we notice is, is every single one of our listeners, not every single one, the vast majority of our listeners are dudes who are 35 to 55 years old, which guess where Jeff and I are? Dudes who are 35 to 55 years old. Like we are our demographic. So can it grab the new audience? And then will the current Babylon 5 fandom accept it and i hate to reference star trek jeff if you gotta buzz me buzz me i don't care uh will the like as star trek fans every time there's been a new series the current fan base is like oh this is horrible this isn't roddenberry's vision this is the worst thing ever it happened with next generation it happened with deep space nine it happened with voyager it happened with enterprise all of those are accepted as like that's star trek now and now it's like all this stuff by Kurtzman's like, oh, this isn't this isn't Star Trek. The J.J. Abrams stuff, this isn't Star Trek. Like that happens every time we get new Star Trek. Is that going to happen in Babylon Five fandom? It happened with Battlestar Galactica too, a lot. So, so that's an interesting that's an interesting question, Brent. And 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 I think part of it will depend upon how JMS presents it to the fandom, right? Um, I I imagine that we'll likely see a much more diverse cast than what we have in the original. And, and even for the 90s, that cast was a little more um, diverse than most. But still, you know, I go back and watch it, and it's like, yeah, I, I wish they could have done a little bit more on that front. Um, Crusade was a little bit better, on that. So I, I imagine that a reboot will be vastly different that way. Um, from what JMS has indicated, it will be a reboot, but not a recasting, right? So we're not going to see a new actor playing Jeffrey Sinclair or new actors playing Delenn or anything like that. Um, and and I, I get a sense that what we will probably see will be Another look at the stories that we see in the original Babylon 5, but from either a different perspective or a different location that feeds back to some of those things. Um, but I, I'm with you. I think what's interesting, it, again, to reference Star Trek, because I think that's a good touch point, is the people who I, I'm an original series guy, like you put the phaser to my head and I have to pick one. That's probably ultimately it. Um, but I get it when people say they can't watch it because the sets are made of styrofoam and, you know, the costumes look phony and, and whatever else. Right. Well, sure, because you're looking at something that was made in 1966 on a real low budget. And I think hmm. I think if they present this show to potential new audiences and yeah new demographics they'll have to look he'll have to look for ways to to interest a a younger group and i don't how that is in writing i don't know but i think the yeah. production values at the very least will be better than what we have in the original and that if nothing else will make it easier for people to get into it because they won't be looking at the cgi from 1994 mm -hmm. going oh my god look at the polygon count on that right you know, yeah. and and that's where I think when when I've tried to introduce the show to people, that's where they get hung up. They they can't. So this looks so fake. It's so you know, video toaster. It's like yeah, but nobody was doing that in 1994. Just watch mm -hmm. 
the show and watch the characters and watch the storyline and then come back, right? Yeah. I think to answer a part of that question too, when it comes to the B5 community, how they'll react to this, it's it's hard to say because JMS is in charge. Like it it, it it's like there are those small contingents that you have in every fandom that are like, I don't want it to be woke. And it's like, did you do you remember that he co-created Sense8? I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be there, guys. And um, yeah. I think they could. I mean, it's a science fiction show, so it's like if it isn't Star Trek, like how it was said back then, you're not gonna get that huge mega franchise audience like that because that's a name, that's a legacy thing. Even though Babylon Five is, it's not as big. You're gonna get a dedicated audience, whether they are old old sci-fi fans of it or new, because there are those people who are hungry for different science fiction. I mean, we've seen. If anything, it's a good golden age for science fiction TV. We've got Fall Mankind. We've got, we just had The Expanse. We just have all the Star Trek shows. Even the Star Wars shows are popular. Like, and there's a whole myriad of others. Like from a few years back, we had Killjoys. And it's a good time for well, a science fiction Ryan, show Ryan, to come Ryan, about. If I, could, if I could just tag on to what you're saying right now. Yeah. It's, it's a different era now than it was back in the 90s because back in the yeah. 90s, it was a bad thing to be a nerd. Right now, exactly. it's awesome to be a nerd, right? So yeah. that yeah. I mean, that's going to affect that that I that acceptance. I think on some level, yeah. at least I hope it does in the, and, in the right way. And this would be a show made by an actual nerd, so it's like, would that draw people in more so, or would it be something that alienates? Who knows? But yeah, I think that's kind of what I have to say. I think somebody else has something to pop in, and Nicole. Yeah, I was just going to add one thing that I wanted to pop in, and I may be completely wrong on this, but the thing I like about Babylon 5 so far is that the story writing and the storylines and, um, you know, the actual show itself uh, is easy for someone who doesn't know sci-fi to kind of follow and watch. Like, Tim, Mm -hmm. how we were talking about earlier, how you're like, oh, I knew what that was and I knew what that was. I didn't know jack shit, but at the same time, I could still understand it and I still could relate to it and, and comprehend what was happening. And even if I didn't, I could ask Scott or Blake or Kevin or one of the other guys on the show. But what I think could potentially happen is obviously you're going to have your naysayers. You're going to have your negative Nancy's anytime there's a reboot or a new show. But I feel like if it's the same writing and writer, like if JMS is the one that's going to produce this, if he made it so viewer friendly before, I don't see why he couldn't do that now. Um, Because I think that either way, whether you're an old old viewer and not old by age, like, you know, you watch the original series in the 90s or you're rewatching it now. I think that there are storylines and there's characters and there's things that can relate to anybody at any time in their life, whether you've watched it 20 years ago or you watched it today. So I yeah. feel like if if that same premise is kept, I feel like it could attract new audiences and get more people involved. Just kind of a thought that I had going off of what you guys were. Yeah, and also we see, uh, you know, our newbies are talking about this. There's a hook in this original show, which is JMS has wanted, wanted to have this five-year plan, a serialized thing. He pitched to the network at the time, I want a five-season-long show. They laughed at the idea of that. That's something that this is just the commonplace now. This is the commonplace. Can, so can you imagine mm-hmm. somebody like that playing with all those tools right from the beginning and not having to give us episodes like Grail? 
instead they can just give us like that that's a potential of it instead of just having what we did which is great like it's serialized pretty much from the start but you see it's like it's having to play that middle ground of being like i want to push it forward but at the same time it's 90s tv maybe someone didn't tune in three weeks ago to see that episode to understand this reference you can have the ability to play around with what tv is currently that just to add one thing to that ryan and you're not going to have to have a 22 episode season we're going to have maybe 10 episodes yes. 15 episodes so 10. he's going to be able to be able to do a lot more with less too i sincerely hope that is not the case um to be perfectly honest this is mm-hmm. uh the the show goes one of two ways and it's either going to be 10 episodes streaming more hbo max style or it's going to be an actual cw show and run 20 something episodes yeah and the one thing, and I will not say spoilers here, I promise, the one thing Babylon 5 does throughout its entire run that really makes it so special is, is that balance between your serialized and then giving it room to breathe in episodes like Grail. And Agreed. I think without that room to breathe, it's going to feel like a lot different of a show. And especially someone who puts in as much detail and as much nuance as JMS really deserves those 22 episodes much more so than any other content creator that I could really trust with that much content these days. Yeah. But that might be, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was like, I thought the whole gist of his uh, call to arms, no pun intended Uh today. I see what you did there. Was (laughs) so do I (laughs) was that show was supposed to be on the CW. So I've been assuming that this would be an 18 or 22 episode series Mm. because it's going to be on the CW. It's going to be on the broadcast. It's not going to be shuffled off to HBO Max. So I'm I'm still holding out hope for that. Yeah, I just don't trust Discovery Warner with anything ever. Uh, (laughs) So no. and, And that's the whole thing, too. I mean the HBO Max piece, it won't go to HBO Max because Zaslov does not care. Zaslov is the CEO of Warner Discovery. He does not care about this show. And I think that was part of the point of what JMS did today is the way he worded his tweet. It wasn't, hey, the CW is hesitant. It's Warner's involved. So Warner owns the license. I think somebody over at Warner is like, no one cares about this show. We didn't care about it. (laughs) Exactly. And they didn't for years. Yeah. But, you know, and I know you guys have noticed this. I know the Babylon First guys have noticed this for the first time ever. Warner is starting to care about copyright on Babylon 5. Mm-hmm. They're starting to oh, big yeah. time, uh-huh. big time <laughs> yeah. out of nowhere. They give a shit I, now. I have a question. Um, OK, so as somebody who is also like Nicole, never into sci fi in any way, shape or form. And in fact, at this point in my life, I'm still wondering if like I'm that person. OK, so for the people that watched it originally. How many episodes did it take you to get into it? You guys are passionate as shit and I love it. Like I'm not passionate about anything in my life as much as you guys are about this show. And it just warms, it warms my little cold heart. So um, how long did it take you guys to really get into it? Did you see the first episode and we're like, this is it. This is what I love in my life. Or did it take you? I know Scott always says that he, you know, get through the first season and like signs and portents really kind of struck that for me. Like it was like the one that I was like, holy shit, this is what everybody else is seeing but then i've had a couple of those episodes in this Mm -hmm. season and then it like cools off and i'm like oh i don't like this so like 
yeah. where are we at with that? Like how long before you were like in like Flynn, you just needed every episode after that? Three words, yeah. three words, three words, signs and portents. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> that was it. So, so, I was so, in with believers, baby. I was in with believers. Nice. I, I can see that. that episode, and I hate you. Like it, it fucking time. depressing, I guess. <laughs> you're just, you're just like, oh, this episode made me want to shoot myself. I should watch. No, more. no, no, no. In all seriousness, <laughs> like it's hard for me to say because I was a kid. Where is as a kid, it's like put the thing in front of me and I will watch it repeatedly. I had that season one DVD on its own for four years, so I just watched it again and again <laughs> and again and again. And people say season one's the worst. I'm like, no, I love season one. It's so warm and fun and I like it but I understand what you're saying like as adults looking at it too you look at a show and you go why am I investing my time in this what's the value of this what's the worth of this why am I not watching another science fiction show so when I was watching it as like a, a 10 year old boy I was just like oh this isn't like some of the other sci-fi shows I watched like this is having overarching things like this episode Garibaldi said the thing that I've been thinking about since episode one, like, why are you doing this, Commander Sinclair? Why are you trying to kill yourself in every episode? It's like, that was what hooked me in rather than an individual yeah. episode. It was more, oh, they're doing the things that these shows don't do all the time. Like, all the time, the captain will just go down there and do the thing, and they just don't bat an eye about it. It was the fact that there was little bits of continuity rather than, say, signs and portents for, for my viewership of it, at least. So Jesse, for me, like I said earlier, it was the first two minutes and I was sold because yeah. I could tell there was somebody who knew and loved science fiction like me. Okay. Um, to your point, Summer and I, we've had conversations off and on about, and, and I don't think this is spoilerific to say that the through line of the overarching five-year story is as strongly present in the first season as it is subsequently. Right. So we've had discussions about, OK, what are the like six to eight essential episodes that you need to give to somebody to sit down and watch it? Right. Um, and it's a struggle. It's it's a tough thing, because, again, without being spoilerific, you go, OK, you know, we well, you need you need midnight at the firing line. Obviously, you need signs and portents, obviously. Right. You need. A mind war, you know, and so you list it and then you go, well, but there's this one element in this one scene in this episode yeah. that'll make this make much more sense over. And, and then it becomes yeah. and that's kind of the 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 difficulty and the beauty of the show is that it really does bear repeat watching. And so I, so so, Jesse, I don't I mean, I don't know what to tell you to say love the show like I do. Right. Because that's, that's, you know, that's not a real thing. That's not, a, not a thing, but I would suggest that stay with this first season when the end of the first season comes and there are triggers that are pulled, you're going to sit there going, Oh my God, where's the second season? She has and, to yeah. wait a because, because it's <laughs> right. As opposed to a, fucking year right can i tell you my biggest fear or, right right right, yeah. right. Can, I, can yeah. I tell you my biggest fear because we're in that spot tim that you're talking about right now where everything's just firing is we're gonna get like a because we all know sci-fi like the first season generally the first half of the second season is not yeah my fear is like this is gonna be really awesome and then we're gonna get to the end of, it's like the beginning of season two and it's gonna suck you don't worry no no absolutely yeah. nothing to worry not. about there 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll find well, out. No, no one's going to spoil. I'll say that. Yeah, I'll no say one's going to spoil anything. That, but, no spoilers. Yeah. I'm just telling you that's my fear. No yeah, spoilers. No, no. That's no, just what I'm me, like. Mm. Yeah, no, Brent. You, you you have absolutely zero to worry about. You are going to bang your head up against walls. You are going to scream and yell at characters. You're going to go, "Oh my God, he did not just do that," and you will love it. And you will you will hate the emotional turmoil, but you will love it. Uh, for me, yeah. I I am probably the heretic of this group. But, I'm not a Star Trek fan. Never have been. Yeah, I only watched. I only okay, watched, thanks for your input. It's been good. We'll talk to you later. I, I only watched <laughs> Next Generation because. Think about it. In 1987, what other science fiction was on television? Nothing. Absolutely zilch. So I uh, watched Star it. Trek reruns from the original series, <laughs> which I didn't care about. Literally, <laughs> original series, the only episode I cared about was Tribbles because that was so ridiculous. Um, everything else is just Thank like God David Gerald wrote Believers. Yeah, the, yes, the Tribbles out. guy wrote Believers. <laughs> yes, 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 he did. But I, you know, I just, I didn't care about Star Trek. I never did. So I was starving for science fiction. I was starving for story on television that thrilled me like the space operas I was reading in novels. And then this Babylon 5 pilot, The Gathering, came on. I watched it. I was intrigued by it because... You know, I actually got to see the first version with the Stuart Copeland soundtrack. You know, that was yeah. broadcast. That was on broadcast. And I'm like, this is kind of funky, weird. Okay. And then the fact that I had to wait a year between the, that pilot episode and Midnight on the Firing Line, they changed the music, they changed the <laughs> hairstyles, they changed the layout of everything. And it was just like, okay. The entire cast. Not the entire cast. Well, I mean, close enough. I mean, come on. What they had planned for Laurel Takashima was interesting, but we're not going to go there because too many spoilers. We're not going to go there. (laughs) Too many spoilers. We're not going to go there. But for me, season one, uh, Mind War, Deathwalker, and Believers were the ones that hooked me to the point where I'm going to watch this show come rain or shine or three o'clock in the morning. Thank you for preempting it PTEN for your goddamn Phillies games. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that pain. I really do. Uh Those are the ones for me too. Clearly. I think those are probably the Mm -hmm. ones for everybody, but those are the ones that really got me excited. And then it was like, this is the stupidest episode I've watched since the beginning. And then you have another good one. And then you're like, oh, that's, I hate this that's one 90s too. TV. That's 90s TV. That's 90s TV. You're going to have those fluctuations in quality where it's like the best episode of the entire yes. season and then yes. TKO. Yeah, signs of portents followed by TKO was one of those things where it's like, you just gave my brain whiplash. Why did but, that happen? Yeah, but, but, but to Tim's point, oh, Ryan, you're going to say the same thing. So go oh. for it. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I was I was going to divert elsewhere because I know oh, some of the people will have to yeah. leave in a moment. And I wanted to ask some questions for the new people here, which is with this announcement from JMS and all of that. And I think to kind of bounce off Jesse's point too, for the new people, there are those things where it's like, okay, you watch an episode and you go, that wasn't great. But then once you actually sit down and like discuss it and you like start interacting with your fellow hosts, 
you start to get more out of it. You start, you see like, Jesse, you always say like, why am I doing this? But then when I listen to an episode, by the end of the discussion, you're like, you know what? This was actually a great episode. Why? Why? Because sometimes when you just watch a TV show, you just go, eh, that wasn't good. And then you move on or, eh, that was okay. But then when yeah. you actually start talking about it, but for the newbies and, uh, you know, Brent and Jeff and all that, JMS is interacting with the fans. I think one of the appeals here is there's this authorship or like this real voice. You feel the voice of the show. You feel the voice of this. And I think a part of the excitement is you just get the feeling like this is a guy who wants to yeah. make a show. And those are the type of shows that we all kind of want to tune into. And I think I want to hear from you new people. Like, how do you feel about that being new to this yet? You all know the name JMS, the yeah. great maker. Ooh. I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a little mad because we don't follow JMS like Jeff and I don't Maybe. because he Maybe. apparently we've been warned, like don't yes. do that because he does a lot of spoilers, which is awesome. We really want to, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like one of the coolest things about this, the new Star Trek guys is they're super interactive with us as fans. Mm -hmm. And if Jay and like Ronald D Moore back, back with uh, Star Trek Battlestar Galactic, super interactive with the fans. We want that. We just can't have it right now. And that's okay. Um, but that makes me excited that he is that kind of a guy because those are the people you really want to get into their work. You want to support their work. It makes you appreciate their work all the more. And uh, I, I'm glad that he does that for you guys and can't wait to join y'all. Jeff, we got to speed this up, man. We all want to get right? through this so we can well, do that. Well, that's the man. thing too. Like this, re the, the, the continuation, the whatever, the series is great. But I'm like, we signed on for a 110 episode podcast. For goodness <laughs> right? sake. Like, you, no, no, you can't Star Trek us on this. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that in. <laughs> like we get, you know, you, you can't keep adding to this. We had a we had a fixed amount to do. But I think that both- Our wives Brent, are not going to like that. <laughs> they, yeah, that's for sure. But I think, you know, Brent and I both with our Star Trek podcasts have had extensive interactions like he said with uh -huh. the the writers the showrunners of the stuff because they're that involved and it's a f we are actually right now looking at bringing in help to like manage a wall between us and some of the community <laughs> and jms because it is so hard for us to maintain our um unsullied view you know to come in with our first first watch but the thing that's cool about jms is that he's interacting and he's doing those things just sucks for us <laughs> but a lot to look forward to a lot to look forward to for us. So our, I know some of us have to drop off pretty quick. So uh, we got Emily and Nicole wanted to say something as the newbies. So Emily, you want to go? Yeah. Um, like the reboot sounds really exciting, um, but it makes me nervous because I'm just here for Delenn. Like that's the character who hooked me. I don't know what it was, but it's her and her storyline. And that's why I was like, okay, I'll keep this up. I'll keep watching. And I'm I'm concerned that a similar character that would get me like that might not be in the new series or project or whatever they're doing. Well, I think I think that's the challenge that JMS has with this project, right? Is you've, he's got to write something that will appeal to the old fans to bring them in, but can't just rehash what he's done. Um and still make compelling characters with with fascinating, compelling character arcs, right? So that that is the tightrope that he's got to walk. I mean, nor yeah. should he, to be perfectly honest, just remake Babylon 5. Like, if, yeah. if the reboot is just a straight remake with better CGI and different actors, I'm not going to like it. I'll just go watch the original because we still have that. I want something new, and I won't say anything else 
because we're going to get into spoiler town real quick if I do. But yeah, D- Delenn is just badass though. That's why you like her because she's fucking awesome. And that's why you like Ivanova because she's fucking awesome and she's the only competent person other than Delenn. But right. they, really good characters, right? Really good characters. And I'm sorry, let, let Nicole talk because I'm not a newbie, but, but that's why they're amazing. I hope the new series has really badass, competent yeah. characters. Jesse and Nicole. Um, I'll go if she wants to go. Oh, for me, I would say I think it's really cool that JMS basically called all the nerds to basically break the internet today. And it today was proof that nerds get shit done for sure. Um, but also I think the fact that he takes the time to interact with people is gonna keep his fan base alive and keep them going, but also it's gonna introduce new fans. So as new fans find Babylon 5, as this reboot happens and because i'm gonna say it's gonna happen as it happens um i think that more people are going to gravitate towards finding out more about him so the fact that he's already active on there i think is pretty cool um and i think that the reboot sounds pretty awesome um it sucks that we won't get to watch it for another two years but um you know hopefully by then it's Hopefully by then it's just starting and then we can just roll right on into that. <laughs> Nicole, our intention, Blake and I are going to watch the episodes first and clear them for you. You'll be fine. Gotcha. <laughs> smart, smart. You guys are like our parents, just making sure it's PG-13. There's no, there's, there's no skin in that one. You're fine. Just watch it. It's fine. Awesome. I'm so excited for all of you. Like, let's start there. Cause like, no, seriously, I've known some of these guys for 20 plus years and what they did today while I was working was like these two nerded out. It was so much fun. Like uh, we got updates and I, I don't Twitter. We're not, I'm not allowed to listen. I hate Twitter, first of all, but if I didn't hate Twitter, I'm not allowed to be on Twitter because there's too much shit going on that might ruin it. But these like Blake and Scott all day long were back and forth. My phone buzzed all day long at work. (laughs) I'm super excited for everybody else. And I'm excited to see um, what you guys get to experience for the first time. So I think it's cool. My Twitter record. I do have a job. I just also had a six hour train ride today, which was perfect timing. I'm on salary. We're good. But my Twitter app, my Twitter app busted three times today. It was amazing. I had so much fun today on Twitter. It <laughs> so was I like, think, oh, go uh, ahead. Come on. Sorry. I was just saying it was like Christmas for you. So yeah, yes. It, I, this was a day I will remember forever. Seriously. I freaking love today. Okay. So I think at this point, guys, um, I know some of the old bees or olbers have been <laughs> chopping at the bit to talk spoilers. So I think at this point, if we can politely tell the gray 17 newbies and the Babylon five for the first time guys to get the F out. I think that'd be great. But for the Babylon five for the first time, if you guys want to give a real shameless plug real quick, I'll do gray 17 when we leave. But since you guys will not be here for the spoiler discussion, if you want to talk about you guys one more time, go for it. Jeff, I sucked when I did it earlier. So you do the good one now. Babylon 5 for the first time. We're the podcast that allows you, the longtime fan or the person just now dipping your toe in the water, to experience this almost 30-year-old masterpiece for the very first time. Do you miss that feeling? Do you wish you could be 17 years old again in high school watching Babylon 5 and being shocked week after week after week? Well, we'll bring you everything except the being 17 years old part again, because God, I can't remember that at all. We're Babylon 5 for the first time. We are not a Star Trek podcast, but 
you're going to get a little bit of Star Trek. Thank you so much for having Brent Allen and me, Jeff Aiken, on here with you. This has been a blast. Brent, Jeff, Emily, Jesse, Nicole, Andrew, this has been fun. Um, Hell yeah. I've been, many of these guys on here have been doing podcasting longer than I have. I've been doing it for almost a decade and I'm not good at it still, but this was the most fun I've had. We had like the Avengers of nerds here right now and it's freaking awesome. So thanks guys. Get the hell out. Thank you guys. It was so much fun. Thank you. Yeah. Great chatting with you all. Thanks everyone. Enjoy Babylon 5. Yes. 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 I need to get a soundboard put together. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. And what's out there? The rim. And beyond that? The truth. I, I'm that nerd who's been slowly uploading Babylon 5 gifts to the internet, and I'm the one who gave us the oh, yes. You know what? <laughs> I I'm see gr- it used all the time. You know what I'm so happy for is some schmuck back in 1990, whatever, on the University of Wyoming server put the down below sound archive together, and it's still there. I yeah. use the down below sound archive every single episode. And thank you, University for Wyoming, for not shutting that server down. I really appreciate it. They may so, have forgotten that it's all there. Oh, I know they did because it's probably <laughs> buried in some kind of college server somewhere. Hey, but everyone before, cut this out. Cut this part out they, so they don't they don't shut it down. <laughs> exactly. Good point. It actually it actually went down like a few weeks ago and I freaked out. I was like, oh my God, I've lost all my trailer audio. No. And then it came back. Before we get started on the spoiler, guys, um, Mike join us. Mike is also with Gray 17 Podcast. Uh, as usual, he's fashionably late. But um, I know you've all been really nice and good to the first timers. Now we can spoil the hell out of it. So people listening at home, we are going to spoil stuff now. We're going to spoil not only what we know about the reboot, which is not much, but we know some stuff. But we're also going to spoil anything that potentially happens throughout the Babylon 5 run. So if you are new to Babylon 5, get out. <laughs> I, okay when when we were talking about recasting the show i almost dropped a spoiler yes. by saying they'll never recast john sheridan and i'm like yes, oh, i'm so crap. proud of you for not doing that <laughs> i was like so proud and that's actually Tim, that's a good point that's the one thing we know and it comes from one press release so maybe we don't even know this for sure but the one press release that came out in 2021 was it will follow john sheridan captain of babylon 5 that's what we know that's it yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean, that gets back to the whole thing. We we know almost nothing about this project, and he's it. JMS has got the script for the the pilot, the reboot pilot written. Yep, and apparently the CW had loves it, and that's why he rolled it over when the CW got bought out. You know, into the next batch of of projects to keep it still alive um yeah but we don't we don't know what's in there we don't know what it's going to be about we don't know whether it's starting back in 2261 with whatever it is you know i mean but don't know i think the one thing we can we can basically say though just based on what jms has said from the beginning this is going to be a babylon 5 show it's not going to be a babylon 5 universe show we're not getting the dilgar war we're not getting the uh valen going back a thousand years we are getting Babylon 5. Again, I, I agree with you. It may not be the same years, may not be the same stories. In fact, it probably won't be the same stories, but it's going to be on the station. I think we can basically say that for sure. Yeah. I would hope so. I want it to just be so different. I want 
I want Sheridan to be replaced with Sinclair at the end of the first ah, season. Nice. I want the Vorlons to look like devils instead of angels and just child yeah. and me. I want it to just subvert <laughs> my expectations every fucking chance it gets. Sir, I, I can't wait for it. I already said you were my favorite in the chat, but now that you made an Arthur C. Clarke reference, you are absolutely <laughs> yes. my favorite. <laughs> yes. Do we want to talk about the problem with that book, Childhood Zen? How it's like just short stories that have. Do we want to record another podcast? We want to talk about the. Do we want to? We can. We can. Dude, Tim, you are confusing. Yeah, Tim, you are confusing Childhood's End with Hyperion. Back off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We want to talk about the really bad sci-fi channel Childhood's End miniseries that was freaking terrible. Okay, I didn't think it was that bad. It was not that bad. Well, but it also attempted Dune. I'm biased because I got to interview Charles Dance. So okay. Oh yeah. Well, sure. I mean, but it gets back to it. It it does get back to the problem with the novel, which is it's really just kind of short vignettes that have this, uh, he he, like nothing but exposition between them that to kind of weld it together. So yeah, it sounds like Arthur C. Clarke. Ryan, please save us. (laughs) I mean. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I will, I will interject. I will interject the jokes that I was not able to to say yes. because uh, somebody was talking about the 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 uh, overabundance of innuendo in in season one, mm. and that uh, that got me thinking about this one line that Ivanova said to the really annoying blonde reporter: "Don't. You're too young to experience that much pain." so many different ways you could take that um Mm -hmm. and and of course brent the joke is right there space virgins come on (laughs) well i mean here's the thing for for all of that there there's the whole scene between veer and uh and ivanova and sick transit Mm -hmm. veer where he's explaining centauri sexuality we have six Six. right you know um (laughs) There is, you know, the the yeah. the great return circle between Lita and Jakar, where in the gathering he's looking, you know, we well, can get some DNA one way or the other, yuck yuck yuck, <laughs> and then she comes back and says, "You still interested?" Um, I have the thresholds, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. And and then of course, you know, the the one Star Trek spoiler that I didn't say, which was, "Good luck, Captain. You're about to boldly go where." Everyone has gone before. God, I love that. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> right? I know it's it's a fantastic line, um, and we're not just some deep space franchise. But ah. the other the other thing the other thing that I think is interesting on on that level with Babylon Five that sets it apart from almost every other science fiction show that I've watched is that the the romantic relationships really feel real between real characters, right? The probably the most awkward one is the Sinclair. Um, um, Catherine. Catherine. Thank you. God, I don't know yes. why I bl- blanked on oh, that. I was thinking, there, I was thinking a, Lanier and Delenn. That was a bit awkward. Um, well, but that's, but that's awkward in the right ways, right? I mean, that's, age that's, well, that's age well. Right. That's exactly it. And, and and the the way the romance between Sheridan and Delend plays out, you you even from the beginning, you could see where it's going, but it's never hurried. It's never rushed. And so that that moment where he's going to Zaha Doom and leaves the message to say, I love you, I'll never see you again. And when Delenn collapses in tears, that's the that's like that moment where you know they finally realize what we've known for the last year and a half. 
I right? want to know, I want to know once the newbies watch Confessions and Lamentations. Yeah. I want to hear their impressions about because for me that is the very beginning of when Sheridan sees Delenn as more than just an ambassador. Yeah. Well, Summer, you yeah. can subscribe to our podcast by going to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I just, I, I just want to say one thing about like listening to the, some of these newbie podcasts because I've tried and this is just me. I think they're well <laughs> we done. Suck. I think I, I no, 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 you, you don't suck. I suck because I listen to, okay, well, we're watching Midnight on the Firing Line for the first time. And I'm just sitting here clawing my eyes out going, you guys have no idea what's coming down the bike. <laughs> oh, just we, we don't. And, and I can't, I get just so tightly wound knowing what's coming and, and everybody suddenly going, oh, yeah, I love Sinclair. And it's like, oh my God. But, but <laughs> Tim, you know, what's fun though. Like, we just recorded uh signs and portents and it's not going to drop for a bit. So people won't hear it for a bit, but our guys were catching stuff. They aren't catching everything, but like one of our guys is like, there is a proxy war going on on B5 between two races and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, how the hell did you pick that up already? Awesome. So they are picking <laughs> yeah. stuff up. And that's why I love the pick newbies. Up. That's what I love of the newbies on our show is I'm getting to see this haha, for the first time because I don't remember experiencing the first time. I didn't watch it like Ryan and DVDs. I watched it on PTEN when I could catch it. And so this is my first experience actually running through the show without the blinders of knowing what happens next. And that's, mm. I love that. I was nice. curious nice. to know, because um, I think it was Laura mentioned it earlier about having that childhood memory of it, but you're revisiting it now. Mm -hmm. And I was curious to know what that experience is like now paired with the idea that there could be more Babylon five that could riff on this or not. On I think for me, because I mean, I'm one of the same one that watched it PT and, you know, when you could find it on the local station that wasn't preempted uh, with whatever God knows else they could find to put on in its place. Baseball but, and hockey. Flyers um, and Phillies. Illinois, so for me, it was either the St. Louis Cardinals or on occasion, the freaking Cubs out of Chicago that they'd throw on there. You know what? Don't start, Blake. <laughs> I had to do that just for Scott. But no, I think watching it now, especially with the newbies, and, I, and I've watched this show so many times because I'll go on a binge every so often and just watch the series through. I mean, I've probably watched it four or five times over the last, you know, 15 or so years. But really getting the chance to go through it now, episode by episode, watching it weekly again, you know, not binging, but actually watching it weekly again and going through it with these people who are seeing it for the first time. And watching their frustrations, but also their excitement when they're seeing things, uh, it, it's been interesting. And it's been, it's brought a lot of that back. You know, I can go through and binge it on my own and know what's going to happen, but still be entertained and watch it. But doing it this way, where it's that weekly experience again, and getting to see those same things of revelation, of annoyance, of frustration, of, you know, even the, this is so great. Where the hell did we get this episode from? you know, when we hit some of those low points. So that that for me has been fun. Four or five times. You're so adorable. Yeah, I think I've watched each season 20 times. But Laura, Ryan uh, brought up that you had mentioned this too. I'd love to hear from you as well on this. 
you know, the, the thing that surprised me about coming back to the show was I remembered more than I thought I did. I thought I didn't remember any of season one. And I, I thought that I remembered season one being terrible. Uh, it is not terrible. No. I enjoyed season one quite a bit. Um, gosh, revisiting it after 20 years of space between, um, I, I guess I'm probably on not popular side of, I would almost like to see it like rewritten a little bit, like with a more continuous storyline and not so much of the nineties, like, oh, this person can't be here. So we're rewriting this plot or, oh, this person's conflicting too much and we got to write this person out. Um, I would, I would almost like to see it rewritten as maybe more like he had written something like that. And then I just really want to see what JMS can do with another 20, 30 of experience experience with human and how we work. <laughs> Cause he was pretty damn right about some stuff that sadly yes. yeah, in the last five years, you know, uh, I would, I would like to see his informed approach of another 30 years of being on planet Earth and you know, what we know about technology now, what we know about how human beings behave with technology. I just really want his imagination comes up with. Yeah. He I had it, yeah. He had yeah. it right in that one crusade episode, Eilerson's porn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, that uh, we, when we heard about the reboot back this time, nearly this time last year, one of the things mm. that I'm, I'm keen on, and I think this is why we, had, I wanted to wait for the spoiler section for this is, uh, I want to see it be very gay. Um, uh, you clearly had something happening with Talia in that original run, and yeah. he wasn't able to do it. And then you've seen him go on to do stuff with Sense Eight, and I would just be keen on seeing him explore that stuff as well, because clearly throughout a lot of his work, it's been something of interest, something that he's wanted to put in there, but maybe hasn't always had the ability and or he did and it was on Sense8 and not everyone saw Sense8. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm keen to see that type of uh, exploration from him, which is something that we didn't really get to, but you could see that it was wanting to be there more. Jafar and I literally just talked about that today, like two hours ago. <laughs> yeah. Sarah Sarah was just on our Slack uh, talking about that earlier today. She was like, why isn't Babylon 5 more gay? I'm like, 90s? Yeah. Try. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah. we just recorded Divided Loyalties. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, wow. So, uh, Mike, you've got your hand raised. So I have something I want to talk to, to address what Laura had brought up. But why don't you? I've been trying to figure out how to make my hand raise in the thing here. And I don't know how to do that. We so don't have Mike, the reaction, the proper reaction. Maybe just pick a reaction, and if you react, you'll be the next person to talk. <laughs> oh, there it is. Look at that. Oh, God. No, actually, why don't, why don't you Scott's go? Scott's next after Mike. Yeah. Ready. Yeah. Hey, there we go. Mike, you go ahead. Oh, I don't, I, okay. I don't want to. Somebody speak. Talk. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I was actually just going to point out, I think, you know, along the same lines of, of things that maybe – were kind of off the table that you couldn't really get away with back in the 90s i actually wonder if you know how much the show might change now that it doesn't have a direct comparison to ds9 airing on another network at the same time you know i think there may be some story ideas that were pushed off the table a little bit from jms because they had to keep the show different i see it the other way around personally that's why i stopped watching ds9 is that i'd watch b5 and there'd be a story and then two weeks later it was the same story on deep space nine and was like hmm. yeah yeah bureau 13 section 31 mm -hmm. yeah sure <laughs> yeah right 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 oh uh, well what cisco is a commander 
And he's also the chosen one. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I will. I will say though, I'm the guy, well, I'm sure there's many of us, but I'm the guy who between the day of the week, B5 is my favorite sci-fi show and DS9 is my second and vice versa. They will flip back and forth. So, so you have a type. I do. <laughs> I love space stations. Love yeah. Them. They're hot. So I wanted, I wanted to, to address something that, that Laura had mentioned. And I think, I think it, it, it feeds back into, um, I guess a concern I may have with with the reboot. I think that one advantage is that if if he's got CW and Warner support, JMS can write the show like he wants to without worrying so much about writing in those trap doors to get characters in and out who might be dropped for whatever reason right that they can that they can say and again because the serialized format is much more prevalent in television actors have a better understanding of what's uh what's involved like uh the the, the famous one is um um uh Robert. Talia's actor a- actress god i am really blanking i'm so sorry um Anyway, she yeah, Andrea, she had she won it off because she was like there was a number of episodes went by where she wasn't even showing up even as a minor character. And, you know, she wants to work. We get that right nowadays with the serialized version. You could tell actors, look, we're telling the story. You may not be in these three episodes, but I guarantee you. Right. So there's some of that expectation there, which could be good for the storytelling. But the other part of it is that I think JMS got to tell as much of the story as he wanted to tell because there wasn't a network breathing down his neck, looking at every move and every script that he was writing, you know, as we've subsequently learned about why Michael O'Hare was replaced as, as Sinclair and Bruce Boxleitner brought on. I remember at the time there was conversations Well, we met with the network and they wanted a, a, a lead who was more dynamic or whatever it is. Now we know that wasn't the case at all. Right. It was this whole other reason. Um, so so he had the opportunity to tell. And, and one of the things we learned over and over again doing the Babcast, all these actors and on all the crew were saying, yeah, we were working out of a, a converted hot tub factory. And maybe once a week, somebody from Warners came over just to see what we might be up to. But otherwise, they just did the thing. I, I hope that he will continue to have that good grace with the CW and Warners on a reboot Mm -hmm. for him to say, look, trust me, you can look at what I did in, in the nineties with B five and I could do that again, but I need you all to just sign the checks and stay out of the way. Right. Fuck off. Fuck off is the word you're looking for. He wants more Babylon. (laughs) He wants more Babylon season one through four, less crusade season one. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Right. Right. I like that you said Crusade season one, like there's others. Um, <laughs> you know, there is, there is, a, there is an, another multiverse where there is a full five yeah, we seasons don't, we don't, of Crusade. We don't live there. We don't live there. J- we, JMS we, did we, put we, out. I'm sorry. JMS did put out his Patreon the season finale of Crusade that we never got. So if you yep. haven't checked that script out, mm-hmm. it's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I, um, if we're going with the fact that this could exist and could come to pass, and I was keeping my tongue a bit quiet, and I don't know how everyone is, but uh, you know, one of the things that I would like is a sci-fi show that doesn't make me feel dumb when I watch it. Uh, I feel that way with a lot of the science fiction shows that I do watch currently, where I have to settle for it to be like, well, this is just how science fiction is on TV right now. It's kind of, you get yum yum. 
thrown in there as a line of dialogue and i just go okay yeah i'm i'm settling for this because killjoys is what's on and it has an overarching story it's not particularly the greatest but it's on and um i just would like that because even with the other works i've seen of this creator whether it is sensate or the changeling and his other scripts a lot of them are like there's there's a presence of somebody who's a geek and a nerd and somebody who understands how to tell a story and I don't get that a sensation all the time when I'm watching sci-fi TV currently. There are some shows that are very good at it, but I would just like another one is what I'm saying. It would be nice. I mean, sci-fi is so fractured though, right? Like Star Trek, different fucking writer for every single episode. I mean, I haven't actually- You get four showrunners over two seasons. It, fe- yeah. it, fe- it feels like it's a different, like when you watch even DS9, the first two or three seasons before it became serialized because it figured out that idea from watching Babylon 5, that um, like the show just, it, it was like TNG. Every episode was this little bottle thing that just felt like a completely different thing than the thing before it and the thing after it and nothing ever changed. And there's just no, there's no change. There's no evolution. There's there's no continuity of characters. And with Babylon 5, especially like you get fucking JMS as the writer from what, like mid-ish season two to middle of beginning early of season to five? Mid- Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, he's the prime like writer from from the middle Knives of season on. two on to yeah. on to five, with only one exception, except yeah. for Neil Gaiman for one reason one. or another. Well, no, Neil Neil Gaiman. Are we having that writer. conversation? Yeah, uh, Neil, you want to talk about being more gay in sci-fi? Uh, yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, I I think, but but if you know, it's funny because you watch Sensate, uh, and despite uh, I watch Sensate and. Other, other than these strangely circumcised German guys. Sensei was a great show. Uh, it was just a little weird sometimes, but it felt much more um, developed and mature as a writing project. And it felt so beautifully linear in the storytelling, even though you were kind of trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Yeah. You were watching it, had it. A, it had a very it, strong emotional connection for the viewer straight up. When I talk about B5, like there's so many things that B5 gives you. It's like the, the one of the things I always we mentioned is there's this sense of like there's a cynicism, there's a there's a bright uh, like wide-eyed kind of look at the world, but things that I've drawn me in on the rewatches is those nice sentimental quiet scenes like Sheridan talking about the rain hitting the roof and I think that side of JMS as a writer has come through more strongly in uh, like works with sensates. And I would like to see more of that emotional side of him in which it's emotionally honest, which is what I don't get from Star Trek Discovery, which is emotionally dishonest to me. And that's also like, when I say intelligent, I would also like it to have genuine emotions that I can feel. And I get that from reading his autobiography. I get that from watching Sensate. Like I may have problems with some of how his writing works and other things like I've read the Spider-Man comics. But I at least get an emotional understanding from it that I find to be realistic or at least something that I can muse on. Well, I think you're right. And this goes back to our conversation earlier about Delenn being a really compelling character. And I'm sorry, I didn't say it at the time, but like the thing that made Delenn badass, and I couldn't say it too much because of spoilers, mm-hmm. she fucking takes command of ships, entire fleets later on, right? And, and so does Ivanova. And having a woman sit in the captain's chair... Right. Like and do that. And and it wasn't like it was not treated as a big deal. 
like Ivanova runs the station for real, right? <laughs> like Sinclair, what is he doing for season? I don't know. He's off doing it. Sheridan arrives and he, you know, has a hard on for oranges for like six episodes. But like, what does he do? <laughs> don't know. He's sitting off in his office saying, I have important work to do. To yeah, he's like, yeah. he's like, I have important work to do, Ivanova. You handle all the diplomacy with all the aliens and operations of the entire station. Uh, I'm going to be over here looking at oranges. Like, <laughs> and that's, that's like really cool, right? Like having compelling characters that the show jms i think does characters very well right and i think that what makes him a really good storyteller and i didn't yeah. say it from the yes. very very beginning and i forgot who kicked us off but one of the newbies kicked us off and i, I forget her name because i'm terrible with names but um she said it's interesting because there's like breadcrumbs right and we talk about this in our show right the thing that makes jms is writing really really good and this is similar to jk rowling although I have issues, as one might predict, um, with her. But, you know, the thing that makes JMS's writing really, really good is that it is good fiction. It is good storytelling in the sense that when it brings up questions, those questions eventually get answered. Now, that is not how real life works, but that is how a good story works. Right? Mm -hmm. like, and he answers like questions you, bring you didn't up, even think you had. Yeah, you didn't realize, all right? Like, like, like yeah. shit comes up in Soul Hunter. There's like five or six major questions in Soul Hunter. Some of them don't get answered until the end of season one and near the end of season two, right? Like, yeah. mm -hmm. it's just these these questions that come up and you go like, oh, that's interesting, that's interesting. And 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 this part's going to get beeped out on our podcast because I will not mention the name of J.J. Abrams. That's going to get beeped. Um, he is the person <laughs> who shall not be named. And that fucking island show that I will not mention the name of, <laughs> even though I would beep it if it got mentioned by one of you, that fucking island show that said, we're gonna have the lottery ticket and we're gonna have this and that. And Mira Furlan was on the show and she was great. But oh my God, I I, I stopped watching that show after a season because I'm like, they're not going to answer any of the questions. This is not sure. good storytelling. I have right. to applaud I, you I, that you lasted an entire season. I lasted two episodes before I said, I have better ways to spend my time. They killed that cute guy, the last cute cast member. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm out, I'm done. No, you know, but Mike. Mike, what I love about the whole, like the answer questions for you in the show, I'm looking forward to what happens in episode one of season two when Lanier basically pulls Sheridan aside and says, here's all the answers. Well, <laughs> and you know, moving and on there's the, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and to that point is that it answered stuff but it didn't resolve anything. And I think that's yeah, also yeah, yeah. a hallmark of good, of compelling storytelling, yeah. right? Here's the answer. Membari souls are migrating into human bodies. Okay, there's an answer. And mm -hmm. that's why they're interested in Sinclair. But it's like, wait a minute. Okay, but thou mm -hmm. that implies X, Y, and Z, which again, also gets answered another year down it, the line it yeah. raises yeah. as many questions as it answers <laughs> it makes you go right Wait, what 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 and then like, it proceeds to answer those questions that you still didn't even think of like yeah i didn't necessarily think what is a minbari soul on a scientific level blah 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 and we can go into time travel ravelly stuff but uh yeah i'm keen there are some people with their hands up i'm keen to hear what people are wanting to raise up you're so good at this ryan thank you <laughs> i'm I'm going to bail guys. This has been great. <laughs> um, but I am in a time zone where it is very late and I work in the morning. So oh, good. this was All a right. fantastic conversation. It was lovely to get to talk to everyone. It was lovely to get to meet a lot of you for the first time. We've inter I've interacted with a handful of you on Twitter before. Uh, so this was a lot of fun. We'll do this again. Yes, Thank you so please. much for putting this together. Um, and I will leave any podcast uh, promotion to Laura as I dip off into the sunset. Unless you're, are you also about to bail, Laura? 
You, you laughed. You made one of those faces. I'm just not very good at promotion. That's all. Oh, who are you? A Babylon 5 Watchcast hosted by two strangers who get to know each other while reliving one of the favorite shows of their childhood. Uh, find us everywhere. Um, we're on everything, I think. And if we're not, tell me and I'll fix it. Who are you? B5 at gmail.com. <laughs> And we've got a pretty active Discord community that's a blast of people talking about the show and making stupid memes. Oh, that fucking love. awesome. Awesome. But, Invite um, me over. I'll go look at it. I need it. to get on that Discord. Yeah, hop, on, hop, on our, hop over on our Discord. That's where all of our fun happens. All right. Have a good night. Thank you Pleasure so much. Pleasure to meet you. Thank you. And in, in terms of Lanier handing over the answers, there was mm-hmm. one dangled tidbit that nothing was ever done with. And I always wondered if that had anything to do with what happened with, uh, like, Nightwatch, Ministry mm. of Peace, Ministry of Truth. Lanier said, this information has been sent to your president, who at the time was Clark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he pitch a fit? Well, okay, that's what Lanier told Sinclair, mm. but... As, no, as Londo pointed out, or Sheridan. Sheridan, sorry, yes, yes. But I think that's a case of, of unreliable narrator. That mm-hmm. might have been something on Lanier's part. Again, he's speaking because he's been told by his Minbari superiors, go to Sheridan, tell him these things, right? Very limited knowledge, important to know. This is what you need to know. He could have been told, tell him that we told Clark because he's going to go to President Clark and say something unless we say we've already told him, right? I think that's mm-hmm. one of those that that, that that was there as a, from my recollection, not a narrative dangling thread. I think that was a character thing to, yeah. to deflect other questions. From my recollection, I thought Sheridan even brought up that he talked to the president about it because that was also a distinguishing difference between Sheridan and Sinclair was he can directly talk to the president easier. But that like Sheridan, the president just dismissed it. Just like, eh, that's I don't believe that. That's hokey cokey spiritual nonsense because it it is. Right. Blake, you've got your hand raised and Laura, you also had your hand raised for a moment there. Yeah, I was just going to circle back to Mike because he's mentioning the piece about this show having some of the strong female characters with Delenn and Ivanova commanding fleets and commanding ships. And we were having, Scott and I were having this discussion earlier today in some of our uh, Twitter fun, but one of our favorite lines from Delenn is, you know, when she's sitting there taking on the earth fleet and like, and says the only Severed one of dreams. your captains that's ever survived our fleet is behind me. You're in front of me. If you value your lives, be somewhere else. And then you've got Ivanova with the mm-hmm. whole I am death incarnate speech mm-hmm. um, and says, uh, basically, after someone calls her sweetheart, uh, <laughs> says, you know, sweetheart, I'm death incarnate and I'm going to kick your ass back to earth. You know, mm-hmm. these were not ty- the types of characters you had in the early 90s very much. And well, I think that's also that where Emily, because were... Emily, well, because oh, Emily say... really connects with Delenn and she's mm-hmm. also a huge B5 or DS9 fan. And I think if you started talking to her, she would really get into the character of Kira being one of the main reasons for that. I was going to say, you also don't have the female characters in skin-tight cat suits for all of it, which is something I also appreciate because I love Voyager, but and I love Seven of Nine, but it's like, it's distracting. Well, you know, and to that point, one of the things that I always thought was great to see on B5 were just for 90s diversity, there were a wide variety of body shapes. Mm-hmm. They weren't all these svelte, 
tall, lean, muscular, well-toned individual. Um, right, Lou, yeah. Lou, right. Lou Walsh was paunchy and bald. And it was like, and, and, and yeah, me too. And Garibaldi's hairline disappears completely over the course of five years. And, um, and Londo, <laughs> right. Just slobby, well, drunken mess of a guy, but he's like the most dramatically compelling character in the entire show. But you look at him and he's a clown. Right, well, for a while. Yeah. But, but that's the point, right? Is that, is that even the thing that's compelling about the female characters is as attractive as they are, that wasn't their only feature or even their primary feature, right? That's they were intelligent. Not, not. They were strong-willed. They were interesting people. And they right. were interesting characters, and that's not what it was about, right? Like, the, the I, I forget the name of the episode, but when Malcolm the Sweater Criminal comes on, Ivanova's ex-boyfriend, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, like there, there's this, uh, there's this sort of like pseudo romance that happens for like a little part of that episode, and the episode goes into it somewhat, but it, it doesn't seem to be focused on, oh, here's a romance, let's focus on the woman as a sex object in the way that a lot of other sci-fi does, right? And or television and yeah, in general. Television, uh, true, yeah, just society yeah. generally, and and in that way, like JMS treated the female characters as characters who happened to be female, um, but they did all the stuff that the male characters did at some point or another, and and they were just as compelling as the male characters. I mean, I, I hope we have some mm -hmm. some gender equity here. Like we have a couple female characters and a whole bunch of male characters in the first version, right? Like I, I'm, you know, I I imagine maybe even a non-binary character in there who knows whatever right like let's let's do some interesting stuff here uh, with it and with the yeah. characters and I, I expect that would happen i hope yeah it was an interesting time too for sci-fi tv because i'm watching space above and beyond currently and like half the cast of that are women and they're just as equal and is just the same as the guys like there's no crapping around and even talking about diversity stuff something that i've been noting down on our rewatches about franklin is in a show that's about bigotry and about prejudice he, it doesn't matter that he's black. He's just the guy. He's just Dr. Franklin. It's not his character has to be about how he's the black guy in the cast and whatever. And he's just he, because that's irrelevant. It's because Dr. Franklin is a really, really good character. And Richard Biggs was a really great actor in that role. It doesn't matter. It's just let's get on with what his storyline is about instead of making it about that. I'm not saying that we, sh we don't need that. That could be interesting, but it is just fascinating that in this era of television and with that type of character that would come up. Like I think about how we had Chakotay at the same time and it's just like, okay, yep, that's what his character was because he was that guy and they didn't even get an actor who was of that anyway. So there we are. But I was just noticing that too, talking about the women and talking about like certain actors of that variety as well, like with Richard Biggs being like one of the few people of color on our show. And it, just, it doesn't matter because that he's like he was just a good actor in that role. So that's what we got. It, it I remember, like I remember, yeah, uh, yeah, I just let me interject this because it, 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 it plays like the Daniel Day Kim when he was cast as, as Matheson mm -hmm. in Crusade, he, he mentioned that when he was cast that JMS said, Oh, now I, I need to give the character an Asian name. And, and his response was why? And, and, and JMS was like, yeah, there's no, there's no compelling reason why you still can't be Lieutenant Matheson. Yeah, and I mean, and I so think, that remained. 
you know i think it's it's making the characters three-dimensional right and and it feels like the babylon 5 characters for the most part were very three-dimensional the mm-hmm. the trouble i have with Catherine, the, the girlfriend was like the way she and and sinclair were written was very one-dimensional that's why it kind of didn't work like that one episode and i think it was episode five um where they just go on the same they have the same scene like three or four times <laughs> it's just like it, it's it, it was a very one-dimensional experience and with b5 writing generally the characters are very three-dimensional and they've got a lot of different stuff going on they happen to be black or female or whatever but they're interestingly written as characters and the fact that mm. they have this aspect or that or the other or whatever it is is sort of secondary it's it's with Jacote when i when i rewatch that show it's like like okay he's the native american guy like it feels like it's very one note like it comes up a bunch in season one where it's like yeah okay he's native american okay i get it he's native american like it just it it just feels very like the character feels very one-dimensional because they keep addressing it a certain kind of one-dimensional way yeah, and it's like with Ivanova being jewish as well like that's just a part of the show it's not like she's just constantly being like i'm the jew of the show and i was even talking about Recently, we watched an episode with Marcus. He gave his tragic backstory. And I was like, you know, the interesting thing about Marcus is he's a sad character. Like, he has a lot of tragic things to him. But I would not define him solely as he's the angsty, tragic, sad boy because he's supremely funny and competent. And that's the thing I like about Babylon 5 is we can have all of these things, but the characters remain competent. Sinclair has so much stuff happening to him. Like, within the first four episodes, he's the show already tells us he's willing to kill himself. But... He's still a competent character. He isn't foolish or he isn't just this is the the message of the week for this episode. We still have a fully fledged person with layers to them. Yes, they have these tragedies, these backstories, these uh, writing techniques that would be good for drama. But we still want them to be people who are good at what they do and are good friends to one another while still having these problems, too. Mike has his hand raised. Ah, yes. Um, you know, something that kind of um, what you're saying resonates with me because I'm kind of a, a, a fan of animation and I'm going to incorrectly attribute this to the wrong. It's probably, I think it was Billy West, either Billy West or Stephen Bloom, who are famous voiceover artists. They, they're in everything, right? Any cartoon you've watched, you've heard one of their voices. Um, and, and one of them was giving a talk where they were explaining that the crutch that they oftentimes use in animation when they don't have a character who is well-written, who is a complete three-dimensional character, is they give them an accent. You can't tell who this character is because of their actions or the way they think or the way they process. You can tell who this character is because, oh, they have a nonsensical British accent for no actual (laughs) reason whatsoever. And I kind of feel like what you're describing with things like Chakotay is exactly the same thing, but in film form. In, in Voyager, we have a character who is not well flushed out, so we'll give him an ethnic background, and that makes him memorable to everybody now, even though he's kind of a crappy character and he kind of doesn't fit the bill that they were trying to to, to push him into, you know, the role that he was trying to fill. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And we still have that with a lot of modern shows, a lot of modern sci-fi shows, and I would hope that JMS can still maintain that consistency of of character what i'm saying is i don't want a romulan warrior nun running around with a sword cutting people's heads off as one of our main characters right um i would love talon to be back but whatever but good old talon 
I love yeah. Talon. We we Talon. had the great good fortune to interview Marshall Teague, yes. Summer and I. We're 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 looking into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you should oh, be, yeah. Yeah. Marshall's a great interview. We did uh we, we he was our first interview for the podcast and uh he's great. Yeah, he's he's he was it was very, very illuminating uh, discussions about that character. I really want the sword that he still has, and it frustrates me to all hell that I can't have it, but I'm glad it will probably be buried with him. I know. I'm I'm so glad actually that he does. (laughs) It's not like in a prop dungeon somewhere, but still, I want it. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. I don't want to stop this. But I also recognize that people listening to this probably don't want to listen to a three-hour show. No, <laughs> or edit it losers. down. Yes, losers. just cut out all I, my parts. Yeah, I, I hope it'll be a fifteen-minute show at that point. <laughs> I hope that the reboot has Lou Welch as the main character. Yes. I want Nagrath yes. back. I want every yes. extra to wear a little hat. So I want, <laughs> I want them to fuck. I want uh, Lita or Talia. I want Talia if she's in the show to actually be a really great character and not just someone who's in scenes sometimes. Uh, that's just some of the things. I still want the music to slap, and uh, that's that's kind of the machine gun fire things. So, so you want Nagrath. To Summer and I, I okay. Summer and I had a conversation about who it might be. She was saying Cat the bartender and Corwin, and um, uh, I forgot who else that you had in there. My thought was this: is that Marshall Teague and Marie Marshall are both still alive. So let's have a Talon Dodger supernatural team up, and we could call it Marshall Law. Ooh, <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. If we're talking, if we're talking uh, collectible swords, I want to see what the sword that Darina was going to get looked like, because oh, the description yeah. of it in the Crusade Bible is just freaking awesome. I would want that sword. The one thing I didn't bring up since uh, Ryan did rapid fire, the thing I'm curious about, and I know it's not going to happen, but I would be interested to see JMS do the original story. Uh, and mm. we don't know exactly what the original story is, but I think all of us know the bits and pieces with Babylon Prime and the idea of before actually going into the future rather than the past and before being the stagenary for another Babylon st- uh, series after Babylon 5. I'd be interested to see that and see how that turns out. I know it's not going to happen, but that'd be fun. And it'd be different. I would love to see that as like, even as a comic book series. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's, I think that's a great way to tell that kind of story. You, you know, uh, Harlan Ellison's uh, version of sitting on the edge of forever was put into comic book form a couple of years ago, something like that, where, you know, yeah. just throw it in a comic and it'd be fun as hell. Cause yeah. I think yeah. what if Sinclair stayed is a completely interesting conversation that could really fill out a lot of story. Yeah. One Although I love questions- Sheridan. But, you know, oh, yeah, Sheridan's Sheridan's a fun loving lad and he loves nukes. Um, One of the questions I raise on with my wife all the time is as we go further into Babylon 5, we get to the point where it's just JMS writing it. And often as fans, we go, yay, it's just JMS writing it. How wonderful. But going through it individually episodes. I've noticed that there were some writers like Larry Dettilia who had their own ideas, had their own feel for the show. And then eventually they get phased out because maybe they don't match, whatever. I'm curious to know, what do we want? Do we want JMS just to somehow do it on his own or have one other big writing partner? Or do we want him to have an actual team? And if so, is he capable of doing that, do you think? Because I know he could do it with the, with the Wachowskis, with uh, Sensei, the 
he would write thing and then he would give it to them and they would rewrite it and then on and on it goes. I'm curious to know what people think about the writing side of it. Like, is it just going to, do you want it just to be JMS? Do you we, think he needs other people there? Well, How do we all feel? Tim and, on- I, Tim and I did an entire episode on that a couple months ago. It, that's the that's the last, that's the newest episode in our feed that where we just talk about what's the writing going to be structured like. In a nutshell, my thought is that everything that I've read from what JMS has talked about, his own personal health, I don't think he would be able to physically write an entire show. And especially as we were talking earlier, that if it's if it's on the CW and the possibility is that we're looking at a 20 episode season, Mm -hmm. I don't think he will be physically able to do it. And, And I don't say that. I say that more out of concern for the man's health, right? He's talked about how his eyesight has been going. He's talking, you know, and at at this point, what he's in his mid to late sixties. I know that that doesn't sound old because I'm pushing 60, but you know, I mean, writing it, you know, you, 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 again, by his own admission, look at photos of JMS Mm -hmm. at the filming of the gathering versus um, sleeping in light. And you can see what that show did to him physically. I think he's going to have to be a showrunner with um, a writer's room of trusted writers that he can oversee, step in and say, no, this is we need to make sure we're going in this direction. But on on a on a script by script basis, it's going to I anticipate the credits are going to look like a Star Trek series with a, a dozen names at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And for the one. record, he's 68. Yeah, yeah, TV so. TV production is a a bitch. I don't I don't talk about it in the. I I was at Netflix for a while and mm. like it's it's brutal. TV production is brutal, which is part of the reason a lot of these are 10, 10 episodes as opposed to the. I was twenty. I was going to chime in we, on that as well, yeah. just from a budget perspective and everything else. They might very much, and from JMS's sanity perspective, he might be in favor of a ten or fifteen episode run rather than a twenty-two episode mm-hmm. run. I mean, that's it's it's just it, it, twenty-six is what you did with Star Trek TNG because you just had to fill space, and every episode was its own little bottle, and who cared? Agreed. Right. But if you're doing a plot arc, you don't want to fill 26. It's too much content after, right? Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I just wonder because, you know, I haven't consumed all of JMS's more recent works and stuff, but like going through Babylon 5 now, episode by episode, and looking at those early days and reading stuff, it's like these other writers who he thought were trusted writers were well known writers or had catalogs that were of a certain pedigree it just didn't work out. And then eventually it's just him. And that's when the show quote unquote got good. Yeah. Even though there was still great stuff before. And I always just wonder like, can he play showrunner and let others play with the toys? Or is he just too much of like that kind of creator? Who's like, I need to be in control of it. Let's never forget. And I know, you know, Star Trek, blah, blah, blah. But let's never forget when TNG happened. And it was like, Gene Ronberry's like, yeah, yeah, you guys wrote stuff, but I've got to get it all back now i'm not saying that jms would be like that necessarily but i do find it funny looking at the past how he had people like larry detilio and and so on and so forth david gerald and all these people who had credentials of their own and then just they go away and it's just him and i'm just curious of like is he is he i mean he has to be for sensible purposes but like i just wonder like can he play ball as much 
And that's a question that, you know, I'm, I'm sure many of you, if not all of you have read his autobiography. That's a, that's a question I think he's going to ask himself too. Cause Tim, to your point, I am surprised that this man survived the nineties, let alone the eighties or the two thousands or when he was two, but that's a whole nother story. Yeah, uh, right, my yeah. God. It's a but, harrowing, it's a harrowing tale. It's it's my favorite autobiography I've ever read. And I didn't yeah. expect that going into it, but to Ryan's point, I don't know how well he will play in the sandbox. Uh, he's the, I, I love him to death. Man's got an ego. So I don't know how well he'll play in the sandbox. It's going to be interesting to find out. I think, uh, you know, based on what you all said, Mike, I agree with you too. I think he has to have a writer's room to make this work. And I think that's, what's probably going to happen, but I don't know. <laughs> So that would be, I mean, here, here comes the interesting question around that. Does this become a point of um, negotiation between CW and JMS? We'll let you have the show. We will, we will let you run the show, but we require that you have writers to help you out because this is a grueling process and we're not going to invest in a show if it's going to kill you. You don't I, have I'm the almost, insurance for that. <laughs> I'm almost certain they have that negotiated in, or they, or they've had that conversation for sure. Him and him and the uh, I forget the CEO's name, but Pedowitz. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure they've had that conversation because that that is longevity and uh, mm-hmm. sustainability is is critical, and these people at this level do not put together a, I don't know what this is going to be budgeted at, but um, they do not put together a multi tens of millions of dollar project without making sure that they're going to be able to go the season or two or three that they want it to go. Right. Whatever they're, whatever they're thinking of. And Mike, based on what you just said with your background, I'm curious, here's my assumption. And I, I just read stuff. That's all I do. Um, I think we actually already have a deal with CW. I think Probably. the pilot has been. I think the pilot has been green light. The, what and what happened today is Warner hasn't signed over the license agreement yet. Does does that sound about right to you? I could I could see that. I mean, I so so for context, historical background. I I worked at Netflix for a year and a half, um, and I was on the quality control team for streaming video. So they never had a video quality team that watched the videos when they came in and when they launched. Um, uh, LATAM in 2012, they realized that 40% of the content was going to be bad. And they realized that about 10 days before launch. And so they needed a QC team. And so, uh, I was the one who was brought in to manage the QC team. So I created the QC team and we launched Scandinavia and house of cards and orange city black. And, um, God, what was that fucking werewolf show? That was so terrible. Um, I forget, I forget what it was called, but, um, but uh, yeah, there, there's you. You hear inklings. I, I obviously was never in any of these rooms where these negotiations were happening. But you know, talk to people, and you hear inklings of of like, oh, they're discussing this or they're doing that, right? Like House of Cards was launched. We had already paid for two seasons, right? They only launched season one. People talked about how season one cost a hundred million dollars. It didn't. It was more than that. Uh, but <laughs> two seasons had been paid for right at the outset. Right. And so because these things are planned in advance. And so these discussions are had. So, yeah, I, I have a feeling if JMS has already written the pilot, or God knows how long ago. Yeah. They've had these discussions like it was, OK, let's let's give you five million dollars or whatever to get the thing made and then we'll see what happens. And oh, shit. Now we're running into negotiation with Warner. Um, JMS, can you can you get the fans to like make this thing 
hit hit some top five on Twitter or something, right? Like, and JMS is like, let's see, right? Like that's prop pro something like that probably happened, I would bet. And then who, who knows what JMS was expecting? This is definitely more than I was expecting. I, I can't imagine. Well, there's also history this. between JMS and Warners as well, right? I mean, yeah. there's the, oh, yeah. there's mm -hmm. uh, not saying that whoever was at Warners tw 20 years ago is the same people there, but there is that history there. So I'm sure there's some of that, you know, eyeing each other across the table. Mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, I, I think uh, to Mike, your point, there's no way he thought it was going to get this big. I think he wanted to get it trending. I think he wanted to be able to go to Warner and say, hey, look, these guys want this. But it, again, we already said this, it beat the queen in the United States for several hours. My goodness, we are nerd power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it certainly would have attacked, attached somebody, attracted somebody's attention. Excuse me. I certainly hope so. Okay. I'm going to jump off here. I had a very early morning and a two hour open bar this evening. So I am kind of <laughs> done for the day. Love you, Blake. Thanks, Blake. Yep. Have a good one. <laughs> Pleasure Talk to meet you. Like in five hours. Enjoy. And, and by the way, <laughs> my one rapid fire is on a new series for the love of God. Can we not have Byron this time? <laughs> oh god yes no 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 bring robin atkin downs back anyway though bring him back he's a good actor but give him a good character yes. remember Byron. bring him back but give him a better character i'm fine with that <laughs> good night oh uh, season five i can't wait for the newbies to be like oh my god season four was amazing oh season five uh, okay i will go, i will go on record and i have in the past i really really like season five i think I think that, you know, yeah, it's it's well documented in fandom now that JMS lost all his notes for season five in a, in a hotel made accident. Right. And so he was struggling to remember what he had done. Right. But I think the thing that I love about that season is it is what happens after happily ever after. Yeah, that's if, if the end of season five was well it was what was the end of season four was projected to be the end of season five it would have been happily ever after and i love that it shows that as delenn says they achieved everything they set out to achieve right but it doesn't mean it all goes well and and if that's one of the things for me that makes babylon five ring so much more true than any other science fiction series is that the end of it is just as much up in the air as it was when it started and that the characters are in different places. They've made, some have made good choices. Some have made bad choices. That's life. That's what, that's what happens. And, mm -hmm. and, and I, and I love it. I love that. That's a, that's taking chances in a way that no other science fiction series ever takes chances. And I'm, a, I love Star Trek. Don't get me wrong, but every season series finale wraps it all up in a nice tidy bow yeah that that section of season five where at the very end of that one segment where bester is completely incredulous about what happened that made me look forward to whatever chaos and mayhem was going to happen during the telepath war mm -hmm. and the fact that we never got the full that full story just Oh, so sad. Oh, come on. And we never got it. Not even the novels. Lanier blew you know, something up and died. That's what we got. <laughs> come on. Remember Byron. Remember Byron. Not enough. Um, 
<laughs> but Laura's apparently going to have to head out, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's late here. I'm sorry. I've got to got to get going. But it's been great having this conversation with y'all, and you all know so much, and you've done so many cool things. And really great to just Laura. Right thank back. you so much for joining us. Yes. Go ahead and give a quick plug, real quick, before you head out. Oh yes. Oh, I'm so I'm with Who Are You, the Babylon Five Watchcast, Watchcast by a couple of friends who got to know each other for the show Babylon Five. You can find us at whoareub 5 at gmail.com. Have trouble finding us on any of the other places. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Laura. Great. Anybody else got anything before we wrap up? This is no. Been... I mean, just just adding to what Tim just said about the the thing about Babylon Five, right? Like the coming of shadows where the car goes over the cliff, which we've, we've recorded that episode six months ago, but it's not going to go out for another six months. Um, but, uh, and you know, episodes like believers episodes, like, uh, confessions and lamentations where JMS takes, takes us in a really dark direction. And unlike star Trek, where in the best of both worlds, Riker says fire and then nothing happens. Right. Like, and this is already published, right. Our, Sarah bringing up the concept of, um, which Lonnie, Diane, rich of the cliffhangers versus game changers, right. Cliffhangers is mm -hmm. you, you set up the tension and you, this big thing. And then it kind of all goes back to where it was before. And the, the only question is, Oh, how does it get back to where it was before versus a game changer where it's, it's the coming of shadows in the middle of season two. And you're like, Whoa, Oh, Jakar's going to maybe kill him, but we know, you know, in a drama, that's not going to happen. And then he doesn't. Okay. They're going to go to war, but you know, I mean, just like Star Trek, they, they, they're going to go to war like once or twice a season. That's not going to happen. And then eight minutes later, Londo's going, we're going to, we just attacked we're, we're we're at war it's done yeah right like and you're just like whoa and then all those what? relationships all those relationships shift Change. like yeah. and, and and it's emblematic when londo comes back to the station and he meets garibaldi and up to this point they've if if they haven't been besties they've been at least fine friends right, right? yeah but but Londo shows up and he knows it's all different. And Garibaldi's looking at him like, I thought I knew you. And there's that like, yeah. uh, I'm here. Yep. Uh, I want to address the council. Fine. And that's it. And there's just what's left unsaid is where all that tension happens. And that's what happens constantly in Babylon five. It's like, like you say, it's not cliffhangers, it's game changers. Right. Yeah, and, and, I think, and, and I think, and I think, Again, in season five, one of those things that's a, a game changer is where Garibaldi falls off the wagon. And it isn't just like, oh, Michael, we love you. Oh, you're right. I'll put the bottle aside. It's like he falls hard and mm. everybody is basically like, you idiot. You know, and there's that scene where, you know, Garibaldi comes into Sharon's office and he's like, look, I was going to like throw you out the airlock, but Delenn talked me out of it. Right. And and, you know, he's like, and and everybody's like, we can't help you. It's up to you, right? There's no thing where everybody meets around and says, look, we believe in you. And they say, yes, I believe in myself. And then things get better. You know, I mean, that's all throughout the entire, this almost like the hallmark of the series. One of the things that was in amongst that that I find interesting about Bay 5 is, uh, and I would like to see this still, because I feel like I don't get this a lot in my shows, which is, we have silly characters or like little characters and they become dramatic characters. Like Zach Allen 
is a silly little character. He's a little guy that you don't pay attention to. Then in season five, he has a conversation with Garibaldi about the alcoholism. And it's like one of the most uncomfortable, but also poignant dramatic scenes in the entire run of the show. And it's like, and it's Zach Allen or Via. Via's a guy who would walk into a meeting and play his little console thing. And then by the end of the show, he's like, one of the he's, great he's the emperor, <laughs> the emperor, and all of that. But like, I'd like to see that. But one of the things that I think I really like about B five as a series, and I don't see this as often either, which is one of our main characters is is like a is is becomes a villain practically. Like Londo is a villain for a good section of the show, and you feel conflicted about it because you like him. You wanted him to be good, and he does these horrible things. It's like Gold to Cut in Deep Space Nine is a fascinating character. But he doesn't live on Deep Space Nine and he's not constantly having barbs with Kira mm-hmm. every episode. Yeah. He's not there all the time. He's never really that sympathetic in the way that Londo is. I like that about Babylon 5 in which you're there. Londo opens the show. He's like, I was there. And it's like, yeah, you were. And as we go along, you make me feel guilty for liking you because you commit heinous war crimes. And again, that's a thing too that I'm keen to see JMS tackle, which is something that he's always tackled in B5, which is... Uh, the relentless relentlessness of nationalism and fascism, because I've got to say, I don't know what Star Trek's doing currently with that. Star Trek is like fascism's fun and sexy and cute. And Empress Giorgio makes quips about how cool it is to kill people who are different than you. And I just rip my hair out going, what are we saying? And I go, if JMS was here, he would have actually something to say about it that would actually make me afraid about the uprising nationalism in our society today, as he did back in the 90s. Well, I, know, I will say that you've already mentioned this a couple of times, everybody, but the problem with Star Trek right now is there are several different shows, which I, again, I, I it's been said already, I think we're in another golden age of Trek because you get to pick what you want. But Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Strange New Worlds are very different shows. And I think Strange New Worlds is actually saying some things that discovery can't figure out how to say so but i i agree with you fully on discovery <laughs> uh, okay well I, I i have things to say but this is not a star trek podcast so <laughs> but uh, tim yeah. uh, if you want to get together and talk trek man i'm in oh <laughs> uh, yeah we may have to have a conversation about that absolutely absolutely but uh, um, I think that's all I've got for this B5 news. I mean, I'm still skeptical as well. Um, I will wake up in my Australian time zone and be hours behind what everyone else knows. And I will just be like, oh, well, I didn't have to suffer those hours of being all tense and energetic about it. I can just wake up and have my cereal and go, oh, well, JMS is uh, either he's going to do it or he's not going to do it. And then I can proceed forward with um, still being a fan of the series and still trying to get people to watch the old show anyway. That's the thing too. New show, if it happens, great. I'm still going to recommend the old show for people still. Well, I think that's the best part about this. And that's, you say you're going to be behind. Well, I'm going to edit this episode here and then I'm going to go watch the pilot for the new Quantum Leap because I have it recorded, ready to go. Uh, Same idea though. Even if this new pilot of Quantum Leap sucks, which (laughs) quite possible, people are going to go watch Quantum Leap. If this show comes out and it sucks, we're going to see a whole new group of people wondering what the heck this thing was and going back and discovering it for the first time. So no matter what happens, it's going to be good for at least the franchise itself, whether this show is good or not. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the resurgence on it. I would hope so. I want want to believe that you're right, but I kind of see another side of it, which is a lot of people tend to have this weird toxic relationship where when some 
new piece of media comes out in the franchise that they purportedly love it's like they feel like it obliterates everything that came before it for yes. some reason it's really the weirdest thing ever that, or that, the or or the opposite where something comes out and it's not that good there's this uh, reaction of you've just shit all over the everything and it's like yeah. no i go watch my star trek original series dvds and the episodes are the same so yeah, i don't know yeah. what you know why you think it's something's yeah. changed my, right my, my retroactively Oh, the classic, the new thing is so much better than that old thing. We the don't need keeping, that old thing yeah. now that we've got J.J. Abrams to Star Trek 2009. We don't need Shatner as Kirk anymore. And it's like, okay, well, look, that let's not get I know, I know, I'll tell you, and it's, it actually, Mike, it's not Abrams, although he was the producer. Star Trek Beyond is one Still of my Still beeping favorite. his ass out. <laughs> okay, well, fine. Star Trek Beyond is one of my favorite films. As Star Trek I, films. Uh, of Just those saying. three, I like that one a lot. It's, it's more TOS than any of the other ones, but... Is, Mike, that, is point, that the first one in the series? Third. third. Oh, okay. It was not directed by Abrams. It was directed yeah. by Wynn or Lynn. Um, Mike, to your point, I, I, I completely agree with you. We see it every day with toxic fanboys online. Mm -hmm. What I'm referring to more is the people who are not fanboys who are discovering it for the first time. Those folks who weren't me and watching on PT and weren't Ryan yeah. catching the DVDs. It's somebody who just hadn't heard the show before. I mean, I, mean, I think that's those me. folks are going to get into it. I'm hoping they don't get such a bad taste in their mouths that they do go True. back and watch. I mean, that's, well, yeah. I mean, this gets to, this gets to another point, which is, um, we can argue whether we're in a golden age of television in general, mm. but the fact of the matter is there is so much content available and so much content that is targeted at specific interests. Um, I, I, I was having this conversation with sister. We were actually talking about variety shows, right? There was an era like we grew up watching the Carol Burnett show. Because we had three, we had three networks, and it was a great show. Without getting into all the reasons, right? It was a great show for a host of reasons. You can't do a show like that today because everybody's looking to target this particular group, and and it's amazing that geek culture is basically ruling the roost in terms of the entertainment industry. But I mean. Let's look at uh, back to the to the Star Trek thing, right? There's what five different Star Trek shows. And they are five different Star Trek shows, right? Um, so that my my thought is, I, I I would love that if somebody watched a new B five and maybe didn't like it, but let's go back and see what the other one is. My gut kind of tells me that, um, yeah, I'm not too keen on this. I think what's what else is in the queue, right? Yeah, I mean that's you know I, I don't know that there's there's a compelling reason for people to go back and and watch an old thing. Uh, an older version of a particular franchise because there's yet another new thing that's out there to, to grab their attention. I 100% I agree. I remember when something like Discovery came along and my friends who have never seen Star Trek before were like, oh, this is great. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. and then they eventually stopped watching Discovery for whatever reason. Then they're like, no, no, I'll check out Strange New Worlds because that's a new thing and it looks fun. And it's like, oh, but what about TNG? And it's like, <laughs> I don't want to watch TNG. There's like, 500 episodes of it and so on and so forth i can watch this new product this new show this new venture and i mean yeah i understand that completely as well well i'll tell you what though i'm going to continue to be the optimist in one fact i think we're going to find out i think we're going to see what the fandom does i think we're going to see what people do because i seriously think this time next year we're all going to get back together and talk about the pilot i seriously think it's going to happen and i maybe, hope so i really I think do it's going to happen 
So you're know. posting the the Uber episode after the pilot launch. I I would love to do a watch party when the pilot a giant launches. giant like as we as we had originally like 15 yes. people or whatever that was on the yes I'm I'm all for it. Well, this recording time listeners will be six and a half hours long, no editing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yep. you know, Babylon 5 had some two-parters. We can do Voice in the Wilderness. We can break it up. We'll be fine. It, it, we'll be it's fine. certainly doable because I'll point out that the uh, there's a there's a channel called the, I think it's the Dusty Wheel. That's a Wheel of Time fan group. If any of you guys are a fan, fans of the fantasy book series. But with the, uh, when the first trailer, not even the first episode <laughs> of that series dropped, I shit you not, they recorded 12 solid hours. <laughs> on youtube of content about the two and a half minute trailer yeah so you better believe (laughs) well i just like to say i'm really thrilled that there are so many b5 focused podcasts that are out there um you know when summer and i first started the babcast it To borrow an f- uh, episode title, we were kind of like the voice in the wilderness. Hmm. And I'm not I'm, I, I won't be so arrogant as to say that we kept the, the torch alive during those years. Um, hmm. But it was hard to find, you know, other people who were interested in talking about that content. And I'm just thrilled that we just had, what, a dozen people and people who aren't even into science fiction in general who are watching the show and enjoying it. And I think that's a testament to how timeless the the show is. Agree. Agree. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been so much fun. And I'm just behind the scenes for those listening. We put this together in about five hours because this just happened today. And we're like, we need to talk. And everyone join in. Here's the Zoom link. So I'm yeah. so happy that you all could join us. Uh, Ryan, you're just starting your day. Uh, it's uh, midnight here, but it's a good day. Um, and yeah. I really want to talk to you all again. I think this has been fun. Uh, as I mentioned, I think we're the uh, nerd Avengers here for Babylon 5, and it's great. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and do uh, everyone uh, say goodbye and give a little bit a plug for your show again. And then we'll end it there. Well, uh, thank you all for chatting. It's been great. I mean, I've listened to everyone's podcasts here and it's just, inter- it's just, it's, it's bizarre and fun to actually see people and talk to people and whatever outside of writing um, each other on Twitter and whatever. But uh, my podcast is Yum Yum Podcast. Uh, my wife, Rachel and I, we rewatch and revisit episodes of science fiction television, Star Trek Discovery and Babylon 5, of course. And on our Patreon, we are going through Space Above and Beyond, uh, my wife for the first time. But uh, we go through episodes and we just dive deep into it. What we got out of the themes and the messages and go over the scenes. We give a spotlight on an actor or an actress that showed up in an episode of the show, go over their career, anything we've learned about them, what we thought of their performances in an episode. And that's very insightful as well. It makes us focus in on the little players as well as the big ones but yeah we can be found on all of your social medias and all of your podcast hosting sites under yum yum pod or yum yum podcast that was that was fantastic ryan um ryan the only other podcast i've listened to about babylon 5 i hadn't actually listened to any of these other podcasts yet i wanted a blank slate shuts fire a blank slate i listened to (laughs) one episode of ryan's podcast it was fun um so this is mike from uh gray sector uh on twitter at gray sector pod uh and on facebook 
although we don't really use the Facebook group very much, but yeah, Gray Sector Pod on Twitter. Um, this was a lot of fun. Thank you to Scott for sort of coordinating all of this, uh, getting that text from Sarah in the, a few hours ago going, does anyone want to join like a bunch of podcasts? Because I'm an introvert and Joe's like, hell no, I ain't fucking joining. So it was, it was a fun chat. Thanks guys. Tim, I think you're up. Oh, I am. Uh, well, uh, as I said before, I'm Tim Callender. I'm one of the hosts of the Babylon podcast, and you can find us at the Babylon podcast. And I'll let Summer reel off all that <laughs> stuff because she's smarter and, and knows more. I just talk a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I got a, I, uh, I had shared a couple um, messages with Summer and she was like, oh, yeah, by the way, this thing is happening. And I'm like, well, well I got to be in on that. So thank you for allowing me to elbow my way into the room. I really appreciate <laughs> it. This has been this has been really great. And I w- hope we get to do it again. I really yes. do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm Summer Brooks, the other co-host of the Babylon podcast, which you can find at BabylonPodcast.com. We're also on Twitter. I am hugely active on Twitter because I have no life. They can find us over there at Babylon Podcasts. And uh yeah, we will we will continue to to raise the flag, to charge up that hill. And all of a sudden now I have that ending fort assault scene from glory in my head. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't go um, well for a lot of those folks, just throwing it out there. It we're looking, we're looking uh the long the, the long game here the long game um but yeah that's i am eager to continue these conversations with every little morsel tidbit of information that jms or the cw releases and i you know like i said i can't wait to see what comes next that's you mike oh i thought you were gonna be the outro you're the outro guy yeah but you get to at least say hi. you got to, to outro the outro fair. all right fair enough and i am mike with the gray 17 podcast great thanks mike Good talk. that's all i got good talk mike <laughs> thanks mike <laughs> again thanks everybody so, look us up <laughs> places you, <laughs> mike's our pr guy i so, really hope monkey man bartender comes back in the reboot <laughs> he's still waiting for monkey man bartender to come back <laughs> the gathering for those playing the home game lc grammar as monkey man bartender and he do it five he do do it. so uh i'm scott i'm with gray 17 uh thank you so much again guys for joining us on this it has been amazing you can find us at anchor.fm slash gray 17 podcast and we're on the twitter and the facebook and the instagram and the youtube just find grade 17 podcast uh, we've got newbies who are watching for the first time so it doesn't matter now because you're all been spoiled the hell out of you but for those who don't want to get spoiled, we got our newbie section where we just talk the one episode at a time, and then we jettison the newbies out the airlock and we talk spoilers. So thank you so much, guys. We need to do this more often. You will have a all of you have a welcome onto our show whenever you want. Just let me know. And then, like I said, uh, hopefully we'll talk before this, but I still am saying right now, I'm planting the flag like summer. We will talk again this time next year when we talk about Babylon 5, the pilot. Thanks, everybody. So. The regathering. Yeah. Yeah, the regathering, collectively... yes, yes. Well, how do the we re-gathering. collectively refer to ourselves as like the Rangers or the Army of Light? What what are we? Ooh, I don't know. What can we call ourselves? Hmm. I prefer Army of Light because Marcus. I like I'm a Ranger. The, the... <laughs> <laughs> the League of Non-Aligned Podcasts. Yes, Ooh. League of Non-Aligned Podcasts. I think Leave we have a winner. Marcus alone. <laughs>
<laughs> I think we have a winner with League of Non-Aligned Podcasts. Podcasts. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you guys so much. This has been no amazing. problem. This Thank was you. fun. I'm, I'm really yeah. glad to chat to everyone. Yeah. I am honored to be among you. This is a great day. Very great day indeed.